This program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking who attacked our country. You have declared a subliminal jihad against the United States. Can you tell us why? Everything pertaining to what's happening has never come to the surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred, my motives. And night fell on a different world. And Iblis is thinking, you know, I should be getting this position, not Adam, and this guy is created from dirt. And how does the army feel about you being head of the Temple of Seth? And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will, but... I want you to give me power over Adam, and I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. The people have, have so much to gain and have such a material motive for putting me in a position I'm in. We'll never let the truth back some of that more to the, to the world. And I want you to be able to give me the ability to whisper into the hearts of mankind. And uh, who was the grotto leader? I don't remember his name. You don't remember the name of a person who involved you in murder? Now, these people are in very high position, Jack. Yes. Welcome back to Subliminal Jihad, episode 43. I'm your co-host, Dimitri. I'm Khaled. And today, uh, we're I think we're gonna we're gonna circle back um, into the sphere, into the interdimensional sphere of ufology. Yeah. And catch up on some things, maybe uh, mm-hmm. from the last one we did about mostly about Tom DeLonge and the Two yeah. Stars Academy, because uh, I guess uh, th- this came to your attention. I actually hadn't noticed yeah. this movie coming out. Uh, or mm-hmm. This is the other side of the pincer, blue beam, dialectical psyop uh, that's been inflicted upon us uh, over the last couple of months um, and mm-hmm. probably beyond in, in both directions into the past and future. Um, yes. So, yes. yeah. Whereas, like, the last episode we talked about the Phenomenon, that documentary mm-hmm. that came out yes. um, uh, last year, and uh, how that really... On, on Tucker and, and shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and was made with, I think, like, the very close involvement with Tong DeLong and, uh, like, yeah. Chris Mellon and Louis Elizondo and the entire To the Stars uh, milieu of people, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't know. I mean, you hear a lot of these days if you're plugged into the UFO world about uh, disclosure, but uh, mm-hmm. you might not necessarily know that there are, you know, like uh, there be people who are like pissed about the phenomenon, you know, like they're not mm-hmm. like down with to the stars Academy. Uh, like any and, good uh, conspiracy subculture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- there of are course, beefs. Yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe you would necessarily know if you thought about it for like a second. Uh, you would realize uh-huh. that there are people, I mean, including us, who think it's like a limited hangout. Um, yes. So, yes, exactly. yeah, if you listen yeah. to this podcast, then you would know. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, my theory is that this is also, like, a limited hangout and, like, another side of, like, the PSYOP to create, like, more levels of, like, confusion and disorientation for purposes Uh that I couldn't necessarily say. But uh, I I definitely think that... Yeah, I definitely think that there's, uh, you know, uh, something afoot, like, with this. Like, uh, that not... Like, it cannot be taken at face value at all, obviously. But, like... uh, (laughs) For, you Definitely know, I not. think also uh, it's similar to the phenomenon where you have like sort of a central figure who I think is being kind of like led by the hand, but interestingly, like in a sort of different direction 
Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're talking about Stephen Greer, uh, mm-hmm. who's done some documentaries before that have done, you know, uh, that had like pretty broad uh, circulation. I've definitely seen them on a lot of streaming services. He recently yeah, came I've been aware one. of him for years. Yeah. He's been kind of a prominent ufologist. Uh, yeah, for, yeah. for years, since the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been seeing, like, talk about him kind of heating up again, I guess, in the sort of heat of this this new thing he came out with, which is uh, called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I guess A Close Encounter of the Fifth Kind is when you have, like, meaningful communication with aliens. You know, you don't just yes. see them, but, like, E.T. beings meaningfully communicate with you. Um, yeah. And, you know, yeah. he's, like, a big guru, uh, you know, uh, in many senses <laughs> of the word. Uh, oh, yes. of sort of you know how to experience these type of things uh mm-hmm. this type of contact um yep. yeah and uh basically he situates himself against the to the stars people and some of the you know security state people you know he'll often talk about the uh you know the intelligence state or the the security state the you know uh, as uh he's sort of framing himself as someone who sees these ets as benevolent beings who are here to uplift us whereas you know in this new york times kind of to the stars limited hangout they're being Mm -hmm. portrayed as a threat it's actually funny because you know he talks about something that you know a lot of ufo people will say in fact i think that it's kind of a a, uh uh a similar sort of it's kind of a permutation of what coops and nick has said about how uh they're you know conditioning us to see aliens as bad guys for all these movies you know, mm, he did uh, say that. Didn't he said he? that. Yeah, he said that a million times. You know, Coop's and Nick's thing was that these are actually like the you know forebears or like the kin of black people, and like then black people will be used to fight against their own people by like mm. you know white people here on Earth. Uh, I think that uh, what's his name, Stephen Greer, was taking it just in a more uh, general direction of like the aliens are good and we are being programmed to fight them. But yeah. uh, it, but interestingly <laughs> enough, like they would constantly talk about Close Encounters of the Third Kind as, like, a positive example of, like, you know, what... Yeah, a docudrama, like. he called it. Yeah, exactly. He <laughs> called it, it was a docudrama. Yeah, exactly. And, so of course, like, you know, it. I noticed it featured, and they point out that it, that it featured in a cameo, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who we've mentioned in a couple episodes, yeah. and who was mm-hmm. the one who coined the, categ- the categorization system of Close Encounters, and I guess came up with the first three... And then later on, somebody came up with Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind, which was like an abduction, like a UFO mm-hmm. abduction. And the yeah. fifth one was like proactive humans proactively seeking contact with ETs, which is what uh, Stephen Greer is all about. Oh, yeah. Stephen Greer's take on abductions, by the way, is that they're all like my labs, like that they're yeah, all fake. Yeah, And that like, the that. government is doing that. it to make, yeah, to make people think ETs are bad. Uh, he had an amazing story. Who was, like, the ambassador? Like, uh, it, it was, like, a, a story about how, like, disclosure almost happened, but then, like, some high-level ambassador. I forget for what. what yeah, which, it was maybe the uh, yeah. UN general secretary was yeah. uh, whisked away by, like, uniformed men who took him to some aliens who told him that, what, that there were... You know, oh, if yeah, you ev- disclose, like, like you, we yeah. will abduct H.W. or whatever. Yeah, we will and, abduct like, George H.W. Bush, all yeah, the world leaders. So, so afraid yeah exactly um 
And yeah, like uh, I, I feel that like was I a actually... very intriguing positioning of HW into this whole narrative. Uh, and he he got off. I mean, despite Stephen Greer's talk of the cabal throughout, he doesn't yeah. seem to fully include George HW Bush as a particularly sinister individual. And you know, but part of that story was that he and Gorbachev were working on some kind of UFO disclo- disclosure plan to, you know, basically kind of peacefully end the Cold War and announce that they're aliens, et cetera. And that's when yeah. the aliens or their agents kidnapped the general secretary of the UN. And I yeah. guess in the Bush White House, they the just... The cabal uh, in alien uh, disguise abducted him and were like, we're going to abduct you harder. Or like, you know, we're going to abduct everyone. Abduct all world leaders will HW. be abducted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Yeah, like, uh, um, word. Uh, but, you know, I think that... It's funny. Oh that no, no! He, but the thing, but the way, but the, the yeah. thing about that that Stephen Greer says is that that was a psyop. Well, yeah, that was no, not exactly. Actually, like, the it real was aliens. Not aliens. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, it was yeah, not exactly. The real aliens it was, doing uh, it. Yeah, it was like the deep state cabal that actually yes. abducted him. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, yeah, I was gonna say that uh, that rung that struck a, a or uh, rang a bell to me when I when I heard it because. I do think that's sort of like a, like a version of another story, which was that like uh, the UN General Secretary witnessed like an alien abduction in progress, the famous like Manhattan UFO abduction that hmm. uh, you know like occurred over a big city, like uh, and it's weird that like somehow that transformed to him being abducted uh, in the process. There were some weird stories uh that he told uh one of the best ones was i mean again like he was like crying over it but it's like kind of uh funny like because it's so absurd like he says like someone just came up to him and was like you know who like is in the you know government or whatever you know like uh one of these one of these secret high level people who he uh yeah has contact with and he was like mr greer you know what really shocks all of us here uh at the secret uh you know top secret level clearance that you have access to because you're so special uh why haven't you (laughs) why haven't you killed yourself because like everybody else who like you know is as advanced as you like kills themselves uh (laughs) like like which like definitely never happened like sorry like that did Uh, not happen every one of his uh, anecdotes that he shares about having a conversation with like a two-star three-star general (laughs) i can guarantee never happened was like you know it's like if there are aliens out there dr greer then like why haven't they attacked us and he's like you know what i looked that general in the eye and i told him you better believe that if they want yeah, to attack yeah. you'd be, they'd be wiping the floor with you right now buddy and he yeah, was like yeah, he was taking yeah, it back yeah. and he didn't have anything to say like i humiliated him in front of everybody yeah <laughs> like, yeah exactly like, okay dude like i don't think yeah, this happened ga- like yeah game over game set match <laughs> like no you know yeah he um, dropped some knowledge on them and they're yeah. all stunned they they just their um, minds are blown right yeah they all you know it's the right it was very similar to he had a larushi vibe honestly not only like kind of in his appearance a little bit but also yeah. like uh in his like uh sort of uh egocentricity in terms of like you know oh everything that has happened is like because of me somehow indirectly like mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you know the uh he was saying that like the re- the recent sort of uh, disclosures that have happened uh, with you know of documents pertaining to UFOs from different agencies, the CIA and the FBI, that all has to do with like his documentaries and like his talks and stuff. Like you know, it's mm-hmm. always a response in some way to him. It is interesting that there was like a recent big disclosure, like right kind of on the heels of of this, but. I don't know if anything meaningful was as close. I was kind of wading through them, but there was a lot of dross, like, in the, the latest sort of uh, 
yeah on, on the black vault on some cd-rom but uh yeah i, I yeah. downloaded it i started to look through it and it just i didn't uh, it would take an hours and uh i think it's pdf searchable hypothetically it's pdf right? searchable yeah what the, the most interesting things about it to me were like that there was some material in there that didn't seem to mention ufos at all and so i was just wondering like there was one that was like a lot of what it is is uh like transcriptions from especially like you know other countries like even england but especially from like the soviet union uh Mm -hmm. and like transcriptions of radio programs of tv programs and newspapers and there was Mm -hmm. one that was just like about the um you know like the transition basically to like a capitalist market like uh instead Mm -hmm. of like a central planned economy um but like in the article they continually use the word phenomenon like at least the translation did like from russian like uh Mm -hmm. and i think that it's maybe got included just because it said like the phenomenon over and over um Mm -hmm. because i could not see any connection to ufos but it is interesting like you know if that if it weren't just like some kind of word search type thing where they included anything saying phenomenon like um you know i I could not find a reference to flying saucers or unidentified flying objects in there maybe i missed it but i think that that was what it was i read it pretty thoroughly i did see one uh you know, a lot of it is of this nature, just to, like, give a taste. Um, I mm-hmm. did see one kind of interesting thing, which is kind of like uh, a report on uh, Moscow and the sort of, uh, you know, uh, political uh, environment in Moscow like at the time of the fall of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the, you know, there are some uh, reports about this that says, um, you know, the satisfaction of muscovites with the election results of the people's deputies was substantially lower than in the spring of 1989 around 45 percent of those questions stated that they were rather rather satisfied in almost the same number some 40 percent so that they were rather dissatisfied with the voting results what was the reason for this in our view there were several of them in the first place the overall dissatisfaction with the organization of the election campaign and this dissatisfaction to one degree or another was expressed by a predominant majority of our respondents and was also partially transferred to the voting results secondly the polarizing of the political forces naturally led to a polarizing of evaluations with some candidates being victors and others not thirdly while in 1989 the very opportunity of a real choice caused satisfaction now this was not enough uh, demands also mm-hmm. increased on both the candidates and the election system. Finally and fourthly, uh, there was also a general strengthening of critical attitudes in society. For this reason, the assessment of the voting results seemed natural to us and not so low. Um, and uh, he goes on to talk about uh, this, uh, some other trends in the mass consciousness. Uh, one other trend in the mass consciousness at present, uh, well, maybe I should read a little before that. He says, the contradiction mm-hmm. between the expectations of the public and their realization intensify the critical mood. People no longer want to accept many fewer shortcomings in comparison with those they tolerated previously. A manifestation of this is, for example, the loss of trust in a majority of the official and unofficial political institutions. One other trend is in the mass consciousness at present is its growing mysticalness and the appearance of this we are encountering everywhere. This involves both the belief in miracles, flying saucers, the growing influence of various prophets, including psychotherapists, and much else. Finally, and most importantly, one observes a democratizing of social conscience and this slowly is accepting democratic principles and definite change in the attitude toward a pluralism of opinions, a multi-party system, the rights of the majority, and opposition and informal structures. 
At the same time, for now, this process is just beginning. The transition from old totalitarian thinking will be rather complex and painful. In mass conscience, we are still clearly recording views of rigid control and regulation of social life, intolerance of other opinions, and leveling attitudes. So this is funny because I think that this resonates mm. with kind of the whole idea of like consciousness raising and the re relevance of flying saucers in general. You can see the connection between that, between the idea of, oh, the yeah. conscious raising will create a more just and like in this case, like a democratic capitalist society. It's very funny how they spin it. And their it. country collapsed uh, in chaos. Uh, yeah, like, well, it's, funny. it's hmm. funny how they spin it by saying, like, oh, you know, well, the reason why they're dissatisfied with the results of the election is because, like, they're becoming, like, more sophisticated democratic people who now yeah. don't tolerate, like, abusive things. So, like, yeah. even though they approved more technically of what was before, that was because, like, their minds have become advanced and, like, yes. they didn't have the sophistication to complain but now uh -huh. they do, and so actually them complaining about the new system means that the new system is better, uh, which is very funny. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, they blow past the idea that people like maybe like didn't like some of the reforms that were going on. Like probably, yeah, exactly. I think a significant chunk of the country and a, and a super majority didn't want to get rid of the socialist system overall. Uh, but of course, you know, in a CIA report, you're gonna you're gonna see it a little bit the way you want to see it. Uh, he of, definitely um, did it was yeah even more yeah. even by cia report standards it was uh pretty egregious uh mm -hmm. but yeah uh it uh it's interesting that because is you uh, can, like yeah, yeah sorry go ahead there's a connection just uh, you can see the connection between the idea of this sort of like mysticalness or like this consciousness raising and sort of uh uh, new agey way with the idea of consciousness raising to be like competent to participate in a democratic capitalist society, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Like are you saying like, and oh, how people one are more would naturally flow to the other. Yeah, exactly. Like people are more, so more interested in flying saucers now, like, you know, and that's because like, uh, they're becoming, you know, more sophisticated democratically or whatever. They're gaining the ability to be critical of, the government as they they hadn't had this ability before or something like that you know hmm, uh, yeah you know, yeah when is... i that whole passage honestly also it it i kept hearing parallels to the modern u.s uh yeah. in a lot of ways with like how maybe uh ufo belief and disclosure is like instrumentalized in our country and how mm -hmm. i don't know like how and, and all the claims that Stephen greer makes throughout the documentary that this consciousness raising and reaching out to ets will just sort of necessarily improve our society and make people mm -hmm. more enlightened whereas like if you look at the soviet example it unleashed this kind of pandora's box of like chaos and like ontological breakdown of like commonly shared meaning that eventually like tore the country apart and uh yeah. in conjunction with other sinister forces and if you think about america today it feels like it's tumbling in like a similar uh, direction of ontological crises on like multiple fronts and now yes. the, like you do see more mystical ideas in a variety of ways whether it's like what we talk about on this podcast or like QAnon or uh you know or, or reignited uh, interest in ufos uh coming in you know at the last minute to save us from ourselves you are seeing a lot of hallmarks of like of of maybe a similar style of 
like ontological chaos that I don't think you can take for granted is going to like just elevate us and make us better. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's very interesting how, okay, well for one, there's many like levels to this to take apart for one is just like the expectation that like these ETs are out there and like, they're just waiting to make contact and like, they're somehow being prevented by like who, you know, <laughs> like if it's, if it's yeah. true in fact that like, uh, you know, it, it, they could easily just, like, wipe the floor with us and, like, you know, by uh, shutting, like, interfering with the missiles. Like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. one of his key points was, one of Stephen Greer's key points uh, in terms of, like, uh, drawing a contrast between his vision and that of Tom DeLonge into the stars is that he interprets the turning off of the missiles that the UFOs allegedly do uh, as being, like, a peaceful gesture where they're saying like, we'll stop you from destroying yourselves, destroying yeah. this beautiful planet, you know, in his terms, mm-hmm. whereas uh, Tom DeLong and them, you know, it's always like with these sort of sinister tones or this sort of like minor key music where it's like, they yeah. can deactivate all of our weapons in a second. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no. like, uh, yeah, it's terrifying. Like, uh, oh my God. We're yeah, powerless. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Um, and, I do and it does, it does a weird thing, like, too, you know, with, like, yeah. it, it kind of, like, erases, like, a lot of the human conflict. I don't know, Cold War. I think Tom DeLong. well, maybe both of these guys both have a kind of, like, 20th century geopolitics, like, either didn't really matter, it was all a show, or, you know, actually it was just a smokescreen for, like, what the people are doing around E.T. stuff. Yeah. Right? I, but I feel like, like between these two things, like, between the whole thing of, like, hope and fear... Uh, you know, two very classical, like, traditional sort of, you know, to go into the religious component, to very, like, uh, which obviously is very, very present in all of this stuff, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll talk more maybe about the sort of transcendental meditation that's a huge component of, like, his yep. methodology of contact. But, you know, the balance of hope and fear is, like, you know, it's kind of like when scientists will, like, make something really hot and then make something really cold in order to, like, open up the pores that they can, like, insert some kind of thing, you know? That's Mm -hmm. what I feel like is going on between, like, these two things of, like, hope and fear vis-a-vis, like, the aliens. But my larger point, uh, you know, that I was getting towards in that long uh, uh, statement about the the missiles is that, you know, if that's true, that they have such power, like, and his theory is that these ETs like just want to talk to us like well why don't they like come and talk to us like the whole idea that like we have to do it like i don't mm-hmm. get like i don't understand that like why is the onus on us to like do like his method or whatever or b- download his app i think was like something <laughs> that he was saying we, yeah yeah like yeah. You can, uh, i looked order- it up you could ten dollars on the app store ten dollars damn yeah. all right yeah. uh i'll slip it a little but like um <laughs> you know like uh, he, like to yeah like why do you have to do that and like it it's just uh so bizarre that like he'll yeah and like what you're saying in terms of like the sort of epistemological or ontological uh crisis that uh occurs uh it like as a result of these things you know he, like they're so they relish the idea of saying like you know we're not the main characters you know we have to accept like that these old ways of doing things you know like our old beliefs like aren't you know like uh, they mm-hmm. need to go or whatever and it's like okay like you know, I'm not, like, all about, like, anthropocentrism, like, up to a certain point. You know, I, I do love those dolphins and stuff. Sure. But, uh, but you know, uh, like, it's just bizarre to say, like, we're not the main characters. Like, we need to step aside for, like, someone that's just not there. Like, where are yeah. they? Like, yeah. they're, like, this complete cipher that, uh-huh. like, just, like, sort of exists, like, vaguely. And we're being asked to, like, you know, radically transform our beliefs for the idea that this is, like there when there's actually nothing tangible and it's just being managed in this weird way 
Like, yes. you know, what is actually going on here? Like, and it, yeah, it almost has gotten to a point where like, and the way they come out like so aggressively with it and the increasing production value of this stuff and the, yeah. like, you know, and the, 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 the patine of authority over it and the way that like people who, for instance, Tucker, people who like, yep. you know, uh, people just take so seriously at face value, like, you know, uh, and even like, you know, people who used to be like big figures on the left of like William Frace, like Glenn Greenwald, you know, for Tucker to come mm. out there and like, you know, give say like, oh, Tom DeLonge is right about everything, you know, like, yeah, this UFO thing is a big deal. It really yeah. could get to the point in terms of the blue beam stuff, you know, I, this is just like kind of spitballing, not to be sound too crazy, but like it really could get to the point where like they could be saying something about the aliens, what the aliens want without there being any more actual concrete like communication from the aliens than there is now. And like just the level of certainty that they're out there could just increase without like the actual availability of communication from the aliens changing at all. You know, and you like, know what? Uh, you know what? Isn't is that not incredibly similar to the way that people follow QAnon? Yeah, like in terms of like Q is the interlocutor. Uh, mm, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, between what Trump is allegedly doing in private. And then his followers and the public at large. But like there's, you know, there's always these intimations that there's those things are in sync. Like what Q is saying is what Trump is doing. But obviously yeah. it's like it, it's it's phantasmic in a way like it's a loser. You know, it's it's it, it, there's never any evidence there that in fact, you know, oh, because he had like, you know, he gave like the, you know, some kind of cue sign or something like that, like, or, you know, he winked or, you know, was standing next to the, you know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of like little clues, like reading into like what Trump is doing. But in fact, like Trump may not, uh, not saying there aren't people in Trump's orbit that are kind of like orchestrating cue as a psyop, but like, you know, there, if people are able, if you look at how people react, to the Q stuff, like the followers of it, like they are convinced mm -hmm. they are in contact with Trump basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like the, right. the heroes around him when in fact, like they're kind of not. So it's interesting to think about how you could develop like a parasocial relationship between like supposed alien entities without ever actually having to like produce them to like say for their own thing. I mean, that's kind of yeah. been in UFO culture for a while. Like all those I mean, remember yeah. that old blog about white hats and black hats. And it's like, don't like, they were kind of doing proto Q stuff. Like, like the, yeah. Oh, the thing that happened this weekend, like the Ebola crisis is actually a smokescreen for like the Zeta reticulants are fighting the Dracos mm -hmm. and Obama has like, you know, betrayed like, uh, you know, the, the blah, blah, blah. And there's all these things going on behind the scenes that like aren't actually happening. But if you buy into this narratives, then all of a sudden you're, you're, you feel like you are interacting with something real. And I mean, I mean, they could produce aliens in a certain way. Like they have the technology now to like deep fake, like an alien or something or yeah. like probably do a hologram or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, they could. I will say, I will say the one thing is like, there are a lot of interesting visual UFOs. It seems, uh, yeah, that are I did. shown in this I documentary. I was wondering like, what are those? Yeah. You know, like what yeah. I mean, like, well, that's the thing. Like, I think it's, it's separate from the whole psyop of it is separate from the actual phenomenon of it that like, I have yes. like different opinions about. I think the phenomenon, like, you know, is something that, you know, the, the documentary gets very much mired in like, uh, you know, you bring up QAnon. Like, I think we were talking like very briefly before the, we started recording about how like the terminology that's, you know, he uses is very much like Q terminology, you know, like obviously it's not like a perfect 
you know, uh, matchup, like, between, yeah, like, it, you know, the rhymes. left and right, but, like, well, you know, like, uh, I'm saying, like, the Tom DeLonge, it's not like a perfect matchup between the, the left and right, you know, side of the spectrum, but it's almost like this is, like, you know, your, like, it's kind of that weird, like, sort of weird dialectic where everyone just gets pincered into, like, you know, uh, the chicken factory or whatever through, like, mm-hmm. these two different, like, uh, uh Well, for sure, yeah, I mean... It's the Tom same DeLong, kind of thing, you know. Like, yeah, uh, Tom DeLong is is a little bit analogous, maybe to like the side that's like openly aligned with the deep state, and then yeah, these guys yeah, are yeah. a little more on the outside. Right, yeah. They're not aligned. Tom with Tom DeLong Trump. is like Russia Gate, and yeah, uh, this is like you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly, you know? yeah. exactly. Um, um, yeah, and but um, there's like similar people kind of on both sides, kind of like pushing yeah. this stuff along. Like Richard right, Doty is in this. It doesn't match up perfectly, but yeah, yeah, that was so weird. It's like how, why, like how am I supposed to think that like we can trust anything this fool is saying? Like, yeah, they did, exactly. They did not represent him properly. Like no. at, for who he is. They were like, it's like yeah, Mirage you know, men never happened. Well, yeah, well they were talking about how he like, you know, admitted that he played these tricks on people, whatever. And he was yeah. there like talking about how I have done these tricks, but yeah. like, you can't trust him about like what he says about the tricks that he's done. He was like basically there to testify to the idea that, they did my labs like that they did fake abductions you know yeah um that you know he and his agents would abduct people to make you know to make them think that they had been abducted by aliens um but like you can't trust anything that he says like, yeah exactly uh, at all um, like about I, i'm not whether, even like I'm... about tricks he's done at, like you know whether it's about like you know something that he's saying is true or something he's saying was a lie like you can't trust like you know it's like the you know, it's like the sort of uh, the, the liar's paradox or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, yeah. hundred uh, Yeah, you can't. It's the means for us as a civilization to be anchored in something more profound. Because humanism isn't enough because we're dealing with non-human life forms. Now we have to transcend even humanism into this idea that there has to be something more universal within us. And luckily there is. It's this field of consciousness that is cosmic and universal. Doesn't matter if it's a homeless person on the street or an MIT professor, if they are conscious and awake, the entirety of the cosmos is folded within them like a conscious quantum hologram. People say, where do I have to go? Well, first you have to go within yourself. You know, another thing I noticed about in this movie is, okay, so not only do they have UFO videos from these, like, CE5, just to say real quick, like, what is his, like, solution is basically to, uh, for, you know, making close con- close encounters or achieving close encounters of the fifth kind, is to go with, like, a group of people out in the desert in, like, Joshua Tree or Arizona or whatever yeah. and kind of, like, camp out and then meditate. And then, yeah. like, wait for it and, like, ask for ETs and, like, UFOs to show up. And then, mm-hmm. uh, according to the footage from this, I mean, we could always say, like, you know, is this, like, CGI? But I'll just, I'll, I'll give him that, like, there is a phenomenon in the sky in these videos that kind of looks like it's something. It's, like, literally a mm-hmm. UFO. You don't know what it is. And there's also these, like, energetic light beings, but they don't have videos of those. They only have still photography. 
And mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing as well. But he keeps talking about how, like, making proactive contact with the ETs is so important. But what I kept waiting for in the documentary, and I don't feel like much of it was given at all, was, like, the substance of that contact besides, like, meditating and asking them to show up and then they show up. I guess he did say that one of them healed a, a guy's, like, a guy was kind of partially deaf and, you know, he had some encounter with the spirit being who was, uh, he called him a master healer. I don't know where he got that from, uh, who had like a weird triangle, yeah, head, he this kind of specter or something, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, right. you know, there's stuff like that, but in terms of like the substantive message, like a contact implies some kind of communication. I thought from like the way he was hyping it that like, we need to like have to sit down and have like uh, astral conversations with these beings or something, but yeah. he didn't really get into like, well, what are they telling you? Cause I yeah, thought exactly. that was a very interesting, especially if you're suspicious of all of this, like, what are they telling you to do? Yeah, you know, um, they didn't really but... get into that at all. Well, also, like, just put the beings, like, show me the being. Like, show yeah. me the being, you know? Like, uh, it's Couldn't like, they that's do it all. for the documentary? Couldn't they, like, do, like, go out there with them, like, again and, like, reproduce this? It sounds like he does it all the time. So, like, all they had was, like, cell phone footage kind of, like, from, I mean, maybe they sent, like, a camera out there and set it up, but they, did, they didn't have a real, like, okay, the filmmakers are, like, on the ground with these people, and like uh, we're meditating now, and like okay, there. We go. I mean, maybe having somebody not meditating like ruins it. I don't know, but you know, it's like uh, I would like to see a little more um, meat on the bone here if we're going to talk about how spirit light beings are showing up, and you know, yeah, didn't um, really get into that. Yeah, they didn't, and also like you know, I'm like. They're like I mean I I am partial to like the sort of uh for all his susness I am partial to like the Jacques Vallée like a uh, sort of uh take or the John Keel sort of take on some of this phenomena like I'm sure that there is like some reality some of this stuff although in terms of what's being shown in the documentary like you really can't say like you know for one like something that those researchers who in a lot of ways are now embedded with these people. Uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, so I feel like this people should be aware of something that they have, they always said was that there was something like tricky or sinister or manipulative about this phenomenon that mm-hmm. like there was something inherently like, you know, uh, or maybe not uh, inherently, but there was definitely an aspect, a prominent aspect of it that had to do with deception. Um, mm-hmm. like John Keel's Operation Trojan Horse or, you know, uh, what, what we read some from, of uh, Passports of Magonia in, in uh, our uh, earlier episode on, on this general topic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's always that aspect of, of deception. And, like, beyond that aspect of the phenomenon itself, like, I'm 100% certain that, like, some of what we saw could be created with visual effects. So, like, if we're, yeah. you know, like, at the point where, like, you know, we're just going to accept that, yeah, like, I mean, and better than that could be created with visual effects. So that does definitely raise, like, the blue beam problem, you know? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. people need, like, a real situation. I mean, I guess, like, part of the the real, like, thesis of blue beam as formulated by that, that guy, Sergei Monast, was mm-hmm. that, like, there's going to be, like, projections into, like, our own minds, like, telepathically. So that's, like, part of the blue beam that, like, we'll hear voices in our heads, you know, that is going to be more than just an optical illusion. 
Uh, Which is another but, thing you know, that, like, there are technologies level, uh, that there are technologies yeah. that exist in some form to do that. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe it can't do it to everybody at the same time around the world. But you know, uh, targeting you know targeted audio devices that can beam. They even put it up on a billboard for a TV show in New York years ago. I remember that where you'd basically it was like some horror show, so it would like spook you out. You would walk. If you crossed a certain line, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, a place right. in the, in the sidewalk. Hear, like, whispers in your head, yeah. Mm-hmm, right. But it was not yeah, audible to anybody around it. So, I mean, yeah, that type like, of technology is not... Yeah, uh-huh, And there was also yeah. something that, like, only teenagers could hear, like, so they could secretly text, like, in class or something that was a while ago. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think so. Um, I'm pretty sure there's, like, some frequency that, like, people of a certain age, like, couldn't hear, but... Uh, yeah, uh, you know, teens could, uh, or you know. I mean, we and we remember um, Michael Aquino is writing about some of that stuff in Mind War as a right. just kind of postulating that you know this these could be the real weapons of the future. So for getting to this technological precipice where we could almost manufacture a spectacle of that magnitude, um, all the I don't know, I don't know if I trust this guy's breezy confidence with which he thinks we should just go hang out with these ETs and they're like totally benevolent. Um, I think the title card at the end even says like zero people have ever been harmed by like making contact with an ET. Um, well, yeah, but that's based on the idea that like every single alien abduction is false and was yes. actually like not ETs. So um, like, and that yeah, the real ETs uh, are like, you know, just the light beings that you get by using his app. Uh, and that, like, really, it's the cabal that has harmed all these people, uh, like, traumatized them. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, no, pretty much. Um, like, you know, like, kind of arbitrary, uh, definitely not, definitely not a settled matter, uh. He's taking yeah. a little bit of, like, a Grover fur approach of, like, yeah. it, you know, it didn't happen. Uh, though, I think, uh, you know, this guy doesn't, he doesn't provide the receipts, like, uh like like our boy grover does um and so it's just um i don't know it's just kind of like like it's a very declarative statement vague like nobody's ever been hurt by an alien like what you don't know that like what if they were ancient astronauts and they came here and you know enslaved a bunch of people to build pyramids as energy vectors or something like you have no idea like what if there's different aliens how does he know there's only one faction of aliens like how does he know any of this stuff What's going on here? Yeah, exactly. Like, tell... Yeah, exactly. We need, like... A, again, it's very similar to, to the Stars Academy, where it's, like, there's this phenomenon, you know, like, is it a threat? Like, you know, probably. Like, do we know anything about it? Like, where does it come from? Like, it's... Like, not really. Like, but mm-hmm. look at all these videos. Like, whereas he is actually claiming to have had, like, real contact, and, like, to have people be healed. Like, did they not tell him anything about what's their home world? Like, where do they come yeah. from? Like, yeah. what is, you know... They just told him about the nature of consciousness or whatever that like, uh-huh. you know, uh, like a bunch of like generic quantum theory that like if it will already be like figured out like a millennia ago, uh, <laughs> you know, like, uh, well, like, he is very into quantum theory and things like that. And though he, he doesn't, he doesn't well, seem to be claiming into, uh, chakras and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the prana, Kundalini uh, awakenings. Uh, yeah, he all about that, you know, like yeah, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, how howdy, Modi, um, you know, uh, very, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, like, uh, mm, well, yeah. you know, um, I don't know, yeah, that, and that gets back also to like his where he started out, which like he doesn't like he talks a lot about how he used to be, you know, into like 
kind of Eastern stuff and meditation and things like that. But he really started out as a, a trained transcendental meditation teacher and mm-hmm. then became director of, uh, I think, maybe his own uh, meditation organization and also became like a doctor, uh, a traumatologist. I think it just means like an ER doctor, but still mm-hmm. uh, it had a certain yeah, ring to it. Thinking uh, about yeah, it abduction, have and a certain shit. ring to it. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, and um, um, yes. and so you know he came, and, and he mentions throughout the documentary. Uh, there's a few quotes that pop up, and uh, like one of them is from uh, like the Maharishi uh, Mahesh Yogi, yeah, the founder. He's all about it. Yeah, and then the Parahamsa Yogananda, the founder of the Self-Realization Fellowship, um, both get some quotes in there. But he he drops like a little bit of like, you know, pro TM like propaganda all the time, but he doesn't say it as such. But you kind of see it in the documentary. He talks about how, you know, there was a study done where they took, you know, uh, they took one percent of the residents from a town and they trained them in like meditation techniques. And then they sent them back to the town and then the crime rate went down like people started getting there were less visits to the emergency room when just one percent of the population was meditating uh you know unbeknownst to everybody else and uh and i noticed like the the kind of you know the graphics while he's talking about this or like zooming in on some academic article that was like when people like learn the transcendental meditation trademark like form of blah 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 I was like oh this is like that thing where transcendental meditation like went into some city I feel feel like David Lynch has talked about that before that's like a big talking point of like TM ideology is like it it literally solves all the problems Uh, it ameliorates all the problems of society if people were just doing TM every day and Mm -hmm. that makes me wonder like kind of like oh, okay and then like uh like why i don't know I, I i assume certain types of uh this you know uh, meditation are popular in india um yeah and uh, it, you know i mean or, it still well, has you know, like, like the maharishi stuff is like neo hinduism you know like it's yes. very much the same thing it's like uh, it's of a kind you could draw a comparison between like hintava and like that stuff like hindutva mm. you know yeah. like uh the like uh, hindu net like the revival of hinduism like not something that's like really historic like hinduism is kind of an academic construct mm-hmm. uh it's also like a new age spirituality construct um mm-hmm. for sure uh and it's also like a nationalist like you know uh construct um <laughs> like in terms of like uh so and i think that there's like definitely links like you know he like you'd make it out being like uh you know of course i did notice like when he was talking about how like oh you know all religions like will have to go of course like the first thing they show is like muslims praying i, I saw so that i i knew that, that you, you were know? gonna get triggered when i saw that last night i did get <laughs> triggered because like you know it's always well because muslims are always like the, the they're like always that's that's what has to go you know that has yeah, to go yeah we need to embrace the prana you know we need yeah. to embrace like this you know like uh he's like you know people have called the the consciousness all things they've called it god they've called it dharma you know like mm-hmm. he wouldn't say like you know they've called it allah like they he wouldn't say that like he would just you know of course not because that has to go 
You know, that's yeah, like yeah. The, the epitome of like what is barbaric and that these ETs like are going to take away from us and they're going to take yeah. us to like, you know, Hindu fascism, you know, like <laughs> shut the fuck up, you know? Well, like, I mean, uh, really, he is kind of, yeah, he acts like he's above the whole religion thing, yeah, but like, he really no, is like, kind I of have like, no, it's the same. I have no ideology thing, but no, like yeah, you do, yeah. you have a transcendental meditation, TM, like TM, TM ideology, like, which is just like by my app, like, uh, and meditate like in this way that was like cooked up in some like MK psyop lab or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, you uh, know, did you like, also notice uh, just so just to you know Jin and he can tell you about how it's <laughs> space, you know like uh, they're definitely yeah. talking to Jins. Um, uh, but, they definitely uh, are. Uh, yeah, but I mean yeah. just to keep it balanced in the uh, the biased um, editing, uh, I was also likewise triggered when they. He talked about like, you know, uh, you know, the cabal and like that's what happens when fascism and then it cuts to like a photo, like a video of Joseph Stalin. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, I didn't And then that cuts to well. like Mao. Yeah. And it's like it was like only communists, like when he goes like uh, yeah. that's what fascism is all about. <laughs> you know? Yes, yeah. <laughs> like it's like, oh sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think that there was like a picture of Hitler or anything. It was just like Stalin, I don't like think right so. away. Yeah, it was the yeah, same thing. Kinda yeah, kind of like uh, there was a recent Lincoln um, project that was very much like that too is like when to when fascist dictators it showed like castro and like stalin and then like cut to yeah. nazi death camps like very cool um all right yeah um yeah. so no, it was weird you know. because yeah like you know he would say like uh you know if all people together like meditate or if they pray or whatever it's like well you know then how come like the places where people pray more like don't have like less like, you know, or whatever, like, uh, you know, that's not really, like, how... Yeah. He cited some weird study about how, like, uh, you know, uh, after, like, the Pope's funeral, Princess Diana's death, and then after, like, 9-11, there were these huge, like, surges in, like, they, like, measured, like, they had had some random number generator, and then, like, the numbers started to... He was talking about being coherent, and we had to become coherent, and, like, uh, you know, it's like, but... What about, like, events that were, like, tragic in, like, the non-Western world? You know, like, uh, what about the death of, like, you know, Princess Diana? Like, okay, is it just because people are watching TV and, like, they mm. care more about Princess Diana than, like, the death of, like, another, like, that's public figure? That's probably like, true. 9-11, get, at least I, a bunch of people died at once, you know? So that's yeah. what I'm saying. But, uh, no, but, I think like, he was talking about the attention being paid to it or something. I, I think guess. he was more well, along but the lines. But he was even saying that it was before 9-11, I think, that, like, yeah. the so numbers that were he, off the chart. He didn't seem to be, uh, yeah, he didn't seem to be too interested in how, like, this number generator thing, like, predicted 9-11. Like, it, it started going off before the attacks commenced. Yeah. And did like, that happen, then, like, you know, at, like, comparable, like, situations, like, of, of mass death? Like... Well, it, it uh, seemed like nine eleven like, was the biggest one, but that's probably because I I don't know. I assume because it had the the biggest psychological impact, and you know maybe there's a grain in there that's kind of interesting, like the the mass psychological like shock wave of nine eleven. Uh, we we talked about it before. You know how it caused almost like a mass PTSD, and there's never mm-hmm. been a spectacle of like destruction that well, you know yeah. that observed that that vastly observed by probably billions of people like simultaneously mm-hmm. so you know yes. I, i'm open to a little spookiness but then i don't know then he just yeah. goes into this whole thing about physics quantum physics and coherence and ends up comparing us to like helium molecules right mm-hmm. that's yeah, one of his like, analogies 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's like, why he thinks, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like obviously like there, uh, and I guess it was like a singular event where like a bunch of people died at once. And obviously, yeah, we talked about like the spectacular like nature of nine 11 and like the effect that it had and like the global consciousness, like really mm-hmm. did was transforming as a result of the United States, like greater. I mean, it's interesting. Cause like, it's, uh, it's weird that, like, our, uh, the random number generators, and, like, I don't know where they were positioned, like, were they positioned all around the world, or what? They but were, yeah, it's, they were all it's around weird the world. That they, I mean, I had to look into that study, which I honestly haven't done, but, like, it's weird that the rest of the world, like, kind of reflects, like, people were predicting events in New York City, like, in Bahrain, like, you know, like, what? Like, it's weird, like... I guess, like, they reflects, like, the greater global presence of, like, you know, uh, events in the United States, like... I and guess, media, I mean, obviously, the ubiquity of television yeah, and, exactly, you know, et cetera, yeah. uh, uh, and radio. Maybe it was such a big, it was such a big mass ritual that, like, you know, a bunch of, like, Luciferians were channeling, like, all their ceremonial magic, and that's why <laughs> the random number generators changed. Right? So, like, I, uh, he does say it's all why. about willpower, right? Even a, even yeah. a plant mm-hmm. in a randomized experiment could uh, influence, mm-hmm. like, a randomly right, yeah, moving water, light. If you send your, like, you know, your intent into water, the crystallizations, like, will change. Yeah, he was all about, like, Siddhis and psionics. I've been hearing a lot about that stuff, like, lately. I feel like he's definitely having a moment, like, the idea of, like, Siddhis, uh, for mm, sure. But um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, definitely, like, a very particular, like, paradigm of, like, that type of thing, even though, like, there's a, a pretense of, like, that not uh being the case like uh yeah i would uh, well, i'm just yeah now you know what i'm now i'm i'm just i noticed a quote by demi lovato who does not appear in this documentary but mm-hmm. got some press last fall because she was hanging out going to joshua tree with stephen greer in his ce5 groups and she posted some ufo videos purported ufo videos uh in october and she wrote like the past few days I've spent in Joshua Tree with a small group of loved ones and Dr. Stephen Greer and his CE5 team. Over the past couple months, I've dug deep into the science of consciousness and experienced not only peace and serenity like I've never known, but I've also witnessed the most incredibly profound sightings both in the sky as well as feet away from me. This planet is on a very negative path towards destruction, but we can change that together. If we were to get 1% of the population to meditate and make contact, we could force our governments to acknowledge the truth about extraterrestrial life among us and change our destructive habits destroying our planet. This is just some of the evidence from under the stars in the desert sky that can no longer be ignored and must be shared immediately. A bunch of emojis, uh, like a comet and a flying star and a heart. To make contact yourself, you can download the CE5 app and it will teach you the protocols to connect to life form beyond our planet. P.S. If it doesn't happen on the first try, keep trying. It took me several sessions to tap into a deep enough level of medication meditation uh, to make contact. Happy communicating. Um, so, you know, what jumped out at me there, uh, among many things, <laughs> was the the claim that Stephen Greer repeats, like, over and over again everywhere he goes, which is if we were to get 1% of the population to meditate and make contact, we could, you know, force the governments to, like, acknowledge uh, the truth and, like, disclose it. And, you know, if you read basically, like, the central uh, claims of Maharishi Mahashyogi that he made in like the 60s and 70s, he was saying that basically, um, like I said, there he would co- constantly cite that study that if you had 1% of people meditating in a certain area, that would have a positive effect 
Um, and this this was actually called the the Maharishi effect by TM followers. Um, uh-huh. And um, and he actually introduced the TM Siddhi program in 1976. So just like mm-hmm. you were saying, um, and he proposed that the square root of one percent of the population practicing the TM City program together at the same time and in the same place would increase, quote, life-supporting trends. And this is called the extended Maharishi effect. Um, and, you know, they uh, there's really not any good evidence, uh, like academic or scientific or whatever, anything peer-reviewed, um, that basically uh, that can verify that. I'm not saying that's the end-all be-all, but they've had 50 years to, like, you know, these are very kind of specific claims, you know, so like that 1% thing ends up like, uh, that's exactly what Stephen Greer is talking about, just in a slightly different context about mm-hmm. basically, yeah. um, yeah. So, I mean, I, that, that you know, it made I me really, wonder, like, is yeah, he doing was, a little bit of like an insight role as like a TM person, like going into the UFO world? Um, well, I would way. almost say my, my thought would be that like, within the inner circles of, like, the Maharishi, I wouldn't be... Well, because, like, Siddhis ultimately, like, in many ways, like, are certain, like, abilities like levitation, like, things like that, you know, like, uh, there are certain abilities that, you know, people, um... Like, I think Stephen Greer even mentions, like, it's amazing, spycraft, or whatever, like, that's why these uh-huh, intelligent people does. are so interested. It's amazing, you know, like, uh, so I think that there's always been an idea that like certain abilities, special abilities could be conferred by this. And I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if there's like, you know, within sort of the people who are really into it, there's always been an idea that at least maybe if not ETs as such, like some kind of entities could be communicated with like through it, like whether they were called by a different name, I would like think, you know, uh, but I mean, I'm not, I can't, I'm not 100% sure, like, if that's the case, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like, if neither of what they would say, like, publicly, like, that, like, you know, like, where, like, Mia Farrow or whatever, or David Lynch, like, that, like, when it was really being explained or whatever, they would say something about, like, in, maybe interactions with, like, entities, you know? Like, uh... Yeah, yeah. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me at all, because, yeah, I don't recall David Lynch, like, even though those types of things appear in his, uh, certainly the appearance of, like, sinister cosmic entities uh, definitely appears in a lot of his work, but I don't feel like when he's gone around giving interviews about TM that he talks about you know talking to ufos or anything like that like he Mm -hmm. i think he tries to put like a much more grounded uh broad appealing spin on the whole tm thing like it's a a excellent tool for creativity you know like that kind of thing like you know if you just do it for 30 minutes a day like it's very almost like in a self-helpy thing but uh but right. yeah, you know, Stephen Greer does talk about how like certain, you know, uh, gurus and people like that um, uh, could be, could be do things such as like, you know, levitate. Uh, they could achieve bilocation. They could astrally project. They could dematerialize. They become as small as an atom um, <laughs> and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. and, uh, yeah. Stephen Greer was talking. I mean, those are like traditional things like bilocation. He was talking about someone yeah. being able to be in two places at once. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, these are, like, uh, you know, traditional, like, uh, ideas of these sort of divine bequests or capabilities that people can can get from that type of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, like, uh, being able to communicate with certain entities 
has always really been a part of that. Like, if you think, I mean, everything that he said is like abilities that like a, a Sufi saint would claim to have, you know, or, or that would be attributed mm-hmm. to someone like that. And one of those abilities often is the ability to communicate with Jin as well. Yeah. Uh, so I would not be surprised if like, you know, that's not a focus like, uh, you know, as maybe some of these other abilities are. But that's definitely one of them, like, like, uh, and that's definitely like a, an idea. So I would not be surprised if, like, that was something that had been there from maybe even the beginning. But certainly, like, yeah, uh, this is more or less like one of the most recurring images in the documentary is all those people like holding hands, like, you know, mm-hmm. like a bird's eye view, those people holding hands, like in a transcendental meditation circle or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, like, uh, definitely, like that is really like kind of the. The UFO is like the 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 uh, you know the cart before the horse of the of the transcendental meditation, like in in a lot of ways, I think. Uh, like with yeah, this, like with you're doing it to search out you know these entities. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, it's it feels kind of like cosmically reckless in some way. Yeah, I mean, if you really do believe in this, like how? Well, I mean, like listen know? to Crowley. You know, Crowley would yeah. uh, advise caution. You know, people are excited about whatever they get, but they're not even sure. Like once it's been contacted, it's very difficult to confirm like what the nature of it is. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and he would always say, "Well, you know, you need to." do these sort of ceremonies or whatever to make sure like uh but yeah it does definitely seem reckless and i would not like the idea that he's definitely not i don't know how he's come to the certainty that he's not being deceived by these beings in the same way that he might be being deceived by like the government or whatever that other people have been deceived by the government like or that the people in the government who he's spoken to like aren't deceiving him which i'm sure is often the case uh mm-hmm. you know but like it's weird that he has this weird like arbitrary kind of dis- like determination of you know what's real and what's not yes yeah exactly I, it's a very he has this almost like political allegiance to whoever these beings are which i guess he when he was young and he was getting into transcendental meditation, he was up. In oh, the right. Yeah. He mountains. almost died. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, like, I know that there's no death, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, that's what he, he said. He that, that, that's what he, another thing he said to like one of these punk generals was like, uh, yeah. Like, aren't you afraid we're going to kill you? He's like, yeah, well guess what? I already died when I was 18. So death doesn't scare me at all. And the guys were yeah, like, like Damn, I, what he, a badass. He kept saying, <laughs> like, I know, I know that there's no death, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, death uh, isn't real. So you can't scare me with that. Yeah um word well what did he see that's what i want to know uh like what did he uh, explain like did he experience like i forget like if he explained a documentary did he see et's like what is his idea of the afterlife that's what i want to know uh like you know i don't know i don't believe he he really talked about it do you um, become an et like again that would be nice to know like that would be a nice thing to include in the documentary um it might be something like that like i know actually he i think he did say at one point that basically these light beings um i I think it was him saying this that the the light being is sort of like oh that's that's sort of what uh what we become when we die i think i might be getting him mixed up with another kind of a new agey guru person but I, i mean he definitely he believes that I guess like he he's a big believer in like thought as like a I don't know like a medium of communication and like a force in its own right. Mm-hmm. You know like an interdimensional something that can, you know, uh basically, you know, be interdimensional and things like that and um 
And I don't know, but, you know, he seems to be, yeah, he seems to believe in some kind of a spiritual afterlife and, you know, thus is not afraid of death. And, uh, and these guys are all, but there's, there's no real like sinister aliens. Uh, he doesn't really, the, the most, the most specific he gets about it, I guess, is his constant claim that at various times, you know, the aliens could have just like blown us all up or enslaved mm-hmm. us or something. He does mention a lot that uh, at least the United States like shot down a lot of UFOs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, he credits like the th- that's the ultimate proof that they yeah, are not hostile. Yeah, like, they've mm-hmm. killed all these... Yeah, like, what you've been doing, like, you know, is so reckless and awful, you know, like, if mm-hmm. they wanted to kill you, like, you know, if they were hostile, yeah, you know, obviously, blow a game, set, match, but they would blow you off the planet, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Easy, um, easy. Let's so, yeah, I'm really curious about what, like, uh, he thinks happens to you when you die, like, uh, or, like, you know, do you... Yeah, do you become an ET? Like that's what I want to know. Like uh, he has a near death well, experience, you know. He, like you said, like you said, also, uh, it's uh, unlike I think I don't think to the Stars Academy though they flirt with this, but they they don't go as hard on it. But um, Stephen Greer kind of co-signs the Jacques Vallee interdimensional hypothesis of ETs. He doesn't believe he believes they do come from a different planetary system, but that they've mastered interdimensional travel, and that's why they can come here. He doesn't believe yeah, that you know, there's any kind of sort of middle ground UFO thing where like, yeah, they bend space or whatever so that they can travel like faster than light or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why yeah. they can phase in and phase out out of being perceived. Basically, mm-hmm. is because they're slipping back into like a different dimension. So uh, which, again, sounds a lot like, you know, uh, Jin. So, I mean, yeah, um, like well, for one... sure, like, uh, yeah, for sure, a lot of it, uh, uh, a lot of this phenomena I would describe to Jin. Apparently, I guess <laughs> in an earlier documentary, he made a big thing out of like this sort of like premature human fetus that he found. Um, yeah, he did. And uh, like said that it was an alien. So like, I, I kind of remember that, was, that being a happening that briefly a some being. years back. Um, yeah, I don't like, yeah, I don't remember that. Being, like, yeah, there was because th- he made another documentary called Sirius, I guess, which was about. Yes. Maybe where they come from. It was from. about Sirius. Like, ma- yeah. I remember two documentaries he did. One was that and the other one was called Unacknowledged, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. Stan Romanak story or whatever. And then Sirius, there was a lot of stuff about this this fetus that I guess turned out or at least, you know, according to the cabal mm-hmm. is actually like just a human fetus, um, and not, uh, an ET at all. But you know, that's just what they tell you. Like, obviously, you know, he wouldn't concede that, but mm-hmm. I do remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I assume that like a lot of these, con- uh, UFO lore people, they, or they, they've dumped a lot of lore, um, you know, over the years into, you know, various explanations of like who these people are, but they always seem to kind of like, uh, you know, de-emphasize, you know, certain things kind of like fall out of favor and then just stop getting talked about. So it's like, he wasn't summarizing probably everything he had ever said in this movie. It was just what he's putting out now is like, this is where it's at today. Um, Mm -hmm. but then we're still left kind of wondering and, you know, I, yeah, I guess what's di- what's different about it now is that he's able to work in news footage of CBS and MSNBC and Tucker Carlson and all these people actually writing articles and talking about UFOs and Steven Tyler and Joe Rogan looking very uh, creepy. Um, yeah. 
you know, yeah, you had to right. see this movie unacknowledged. Yeah, he man. looked like absolute shit. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, he looked awful. Yeah. He looked like hell. Um, yeah. yeah, and also some of these um, big hitters, very sus lord kind of people, but not insignificant people like uh, Dr. Russell Targ and Hal Putoff, okay. who also have affiliations with To the Stars Academy, um, but mm. they were two of the big scientists at SRI, Stanford Research Institute, in the early 70s, and I believe they ran Project Stargate, the remote viewing um, and, like, you know, psychotronic uh, phenomena experiments at Stanford uh, from the 70s through the 90s. And I know Russell Targ is in this one quite a bit. And, you know, he still asserts that remote viewing is real and mm-hmm. they were able to weaponize it. They even... They, they, they flashed an article that did kind of interest me about a group of maybe people that worked at SRI that started using their psychic powers to bet on the stock market. There was something, there was some article, I wasn't able to kind of find uh, the thing, but it happened, I think, in the 80s, where some of these, like, SRI guys started betting on, they cornered the silver market by using psychic premonition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually... I think I, you know, I mentioned in the past, like my psychology teacher in high school was kind of into some of this stuff. And I believe he told us an anecdote about how there had been like researchers some years back that tried to use their remote viewing and like, you know, psychic prognostication skills to make a killing in the stock market. But then like everything went bad for them. Like some of them like got sick, they got in fights over it i mean they might have broken some laws too it's not clear but basically it's almost like they were cosmically punished for using the remote viewing skills to make profit on the stock market hmm, that's interesting yeah uh, i don't know i don't know what that, that was all sense. but yeah. uh, that was but i wonder if that was the story he was referencing the one they put in this documentary if uh this yeah. group of guys like claimed to do this and then because i think the headline they briefly flashed said like you know like group like uh faces you know chaos and dissension after cornering the silver market with psychic abilities or something like that right. so yes. it was kind of a yeah, there was a fall from grace involved at some point yeah, was it in this that they showed the image of, like, an E.T. that they had, like, remote viewed, like, uh, with, like, a triangle head or whatever, um, you know, mm-hmm. word? Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess, like, he believes that they, like, did seed the Earth, so they're not light beings. They are physical beings, even though, like, they have, like, they can become light. I don't know. I, I, I He like seemed to say they were light beings. Sounds like but... a gin lie uh, yeah. to me. Um, you know, they're just jealous because, you know, we're made of earth uh, and they're made of uh, fire and they can't seed, uh, you know, our race. Sounds like a, a blue beam psyop to me. CE5, Albuquerque, New Mexico. We meet in Alexandria, Virginia. We are here doing a C5 training in Arbor Vidal, Wisconsin. And we're doing CE5 in Beit Shemesh, Israel. Here in beautiful Buckingham, Virginia. I'm practicing CE5 in Cambridgeshire, United Kingdom. We are making CE5 contact in Cape Town, South Africa. My name is Bill Clark, doing CE5 in Chesterfield, Derbyshire in England. CE5 east of Colorado Springs. Preston, British Columbia, Canada. And making history. We're making history. Join us. I'm doing CE5 in SM Germany. Making CE5 in Freistadt in Austria. And we are doing CE5 in Geraldton, Western Australia. We are doing CE5 in 
Yeah, so uh, just to, um, I, 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 I was just able to find this article, uh, which is kind of interesting, um, from 1984, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it's called, Did Psychic Powers Give Firm a Killing in the Silver Market? And it's about mm-hmm. Delphi Associates, which is a struggling three-man partnership formed to cash in on the fruits of its founder's psychic research. This is not just an amusing exercise, says Anthony R. White, a Stanford University MBA art investor and manager of a family fortune. The research heavyweight is Russell Targ, a physicist who built sophisticated lasers for GTE Sylvania Inc. until 1972, then spent the next 10 years doing hush-hush, still-classified psychic research for the federal government at SRI, the sober California think tank. At SRI, Targ concentrated on remote viewing, the ability of one viewer to see what another person, the beacon, is looking at, even though the beacon may be thousands of miles away. By 1982, Mr. Targ says, we'd shown unequivocally that people could describe distant locations as well as events that lie in the future. One of Delphi's first commercial ventures was its foray into the silver futures market. Delphi tried to forecast roughly how much silver prices would change between Thursday's closing and Monday's closing prices. In all of the first nine tries, Keith Harari, the most psychic partner, made correct predictions. The investors made in the middle of six figures, and Delphi got a commission. Alas, the power power proved fickle. Our major client suffered an attack of hubris and started pressing us for more predictions, says Mr. White. Delphi failed on the next two tries. It was a difficult blow for all of us, Mr. White says. The existence of psychic functioning shows that there is something fundamentally incorrect about the prevailing view of how space and time are understood, Mr. Tarek says. Damn. So uh, Mm. I guess maybe, you know, it just stopped working after a while. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess that literally was Russell Targ that my teacher was talking about, <laughs> like doing uh, this back in the eighties. Uh, um, interesting. Yeah, but I wow. guess maybe uh, I thought they were going to say our major client suffered a heart attack and died <laughs> after doing this. Uh, but I guess just uh, pressured them into predicting too much. And uh, hmm. oh man, I mean, this is kind of not uh, directly related to what we're talking about, but I did hear, like, another amazing remote viewing story, which was about this guy who, uh, I guess, uh, Edward Reardon, uh, mm-hmm. who, I guess, remote viewed uh, QAnon. Really? Uh, like, you know, he remote viewed Q. Yeah, and that's not even the, like, so I'll just, uh, like, this is from some other podcasts, I guess, called the Seeker Podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the description they give of his remote viewing session. Uh, Jordan was uh, tasked to view QAnon in July uh, 2018. Q, who claims to be a government insider, has leaked information alluding to the takedown of the cabal and power within the U.S. government and around the world. In reviewing this target, uh, Reardon stressed to take his data with a grain of salt because it is an unverifiable target. Okay. 
So there's your caveat. Remote viewing uh -huh. data should uh, not be used as the be-all, end-all, but as a piece of data in a large exploration or investigation into a particular target. What's interesting is that after completing the session, Rudin started encountering anomalies that lend credibility that at least some of his data collected may be accurate. Rudin explained that he observed an organization experiencing a disagreement over something. He also viewed a group of people who were working on something they felt was incredibly important for the future. These people, Rudin describes, were living as if they were already in the future. Reardon observed the development of what seemed to be a nanotech gel and an advanced AI. No. He perceived satellites controlled and programmed by this AI, and at what he referred to as the event horizon, a single event changed all of humanity. He perceived an energy wave coming out of the satellites and impacting people's minds, changing them. Reardon explains that this AI was able to scan someone's body, find whatever problems were plaguing their minds, and solve them. It was a way to solve all problems. Reardon then states, however, that as wonderful as this may sound, such a technology terrifies him. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, Edward so anyway, I guess uh, okay. Q was a evil AI. Um, or a good AI. I don't know. But some kind of, uh, yeah. I had heard that I had heard that in like a relative to like a Stephen Greer like uh, conversation about uh, ETs and like uh, you know how people have certain intuitions or whatever, and uh, someone mentioned that one of their intuitions was that uh, QAnon what like uh, th they said uh, I actually had sense that QAnon was an AI being before it was confirmed by the remote viewer, uh, you know, and I was mm -hmm. like, oh okay, uh, so let me look at this a little bit more, but yeah, um, okay, but, okay, yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah, bit, was uh, is he is is QAnon just a machine learning AI? I guess unleash so. on the Chan um, boards. I, I guess, uh, or a satellite from the future projected back in time to solve everyone's problems, um, which I would not think uh, would be the case. But um, but some Q yeah. followers might uh, in the next year. Uh, I could see yeah. that taking off a little bit. Um, um, you know, like yeah, Roko, like Q's basilisk, basically. Q's basilisk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, like he's he like, is like the John Connor in the future that has won the war against the Cabal, be, but he has to. Be, yeah, it could be like a, an inversion of Rocco's basilisk, where like you know. Uh, those who you know how those who don't help Rocco's basketball can be tortured by it like it's kind of like you know the cabal very similar to Q tortured. yeah, yeah. Like, true yeah, yeah all like, of you uh, they're all gonna be executed by a military <laughs> tribunal yeah exactly hung by the neck um, until they're dead yes hung by the neck <laughs> until they are dead uh in accordance with u.s code like 3.78 yeah. you know usmc uh, four uh four the five penalty AD, for treason uh the penalty for treason stands uh mm -hmm. affirmed on like you know july 17th 1976 or yeah, yeah, whatever, <laughs> like uh, 1776 do we want to talk a little bit uh about daniel sheehan one of the prominent yeah. figures that pops up in yes, uh, Close definitely. Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's probably, like, the second most heavily featured person next to Stephen Greer himself. Mm -hmm. um, he's, like, all over the documentary. And he was one of the people who, like, specifically uh, took shots at To the Stars Academy as, like, you know, uh, a limited hangout or whatever, or part of the PSYOP to make us think ETs are bad. Um Mm -hmm. or something uh yeah and yeah he's a very sus individual <laughs> um <laughs> yeah he to say the like, least yeah um definitely to say the least 
Yeah, one of the things that we were kind of talking about was, like, how... Well, something that undermines, like, the idea that, like, this... Like, these ETs are, like, uh, cultivating greater enlightenment in people is, like, mm-hmm. the fact that, like, none of them are, like, really incredibly enlightened. Like, are, you know, are living, like, lives of, like, true enlightenment. Like, one of the things that was funny about the documentary to me uh, that I didn't mention before was that uh, at the very beginning, he says, like... Uh, if you're, you know, uh, I guess it's some recording that he made. I don't even know. Probably made it for the movie. But Stephen Greer is like, if you're seeing this, it's because I am dead or I have been <laughs> entrapped or yeah, like, yeah. you know, I have disappeared. And uh, uh-huh. it was very funny that he included like, I have been entrapped. Because uh, like, mm. yeah, I think we know mm. like what I have been entrapped means. Like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, maybe you he know, could ask his yeah. friend, the guy who was running MUFON. Uh, until yeah. a couple of years ago, who got arrested for soliciting yeah, a thirteen-year-old? Yeah, is he? Yeah. Is he really in the movie? Um, okay, okay, that's him. Yeah, he was in the movie. Uh, what was yeah, his name? The, like, uh, uh, Yawn something. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? It was a uh, Mufon Mufon guy soliciting uh, child. Um, yes, head of mutual. Yeah, Yawn Harzan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, if you look at him, I think you'll recognize him from the movie. Yeah. Uh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I guess. Yeah, this article is from uh, July 14th, 2020, but I guess maybe it did happen in 2014. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, uh, or maybe he did it in 2014. Yeah, it's funny. This article, uh, the first thing that comes up is, of course, from Vice, which is always like the first to have the beat on like all of this like stuff, uh, all this mm-hmm. drama here. Definitely. Um. Yeah, and they're just talking about all the fucking UFO people who have, like, made, like, all-caps Facebook posts about, like, white genocide and stuff like that. Like, uh, um, you know, Mm. like, uh, Ken Pfeiffer, head of MUFON Rhode Island, uh, posted racist memes and comments on Facebook during the height of the Black Lives Matter protests. Holy shit, I would have picked their cotton for them if I thought it would end this BLM racist madness, uh, in all caps. Uh, so I guess... He's not ascended, but I don't know if he's been doing uh, transcendental meditation. He just might be into UFOs uh, in general. But um, wow, yeah, so very enlightened. Um, um, Harzan is a former IBM engineer who, when he was a kid, was visited by a real UFO uh, with no visible means of propulsion, and it profoundly changed his life. But the the ETs didn't tell him not to commit multiple felonies uh, for targeting minor females online. Wow. Uh, word. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so the the interesting thing about Daniel Sheehan is that he's not solely a character from like the ufology world. I mean, he's firmly in it now, but he had kind of an entire very colorful career uh, leading up to like kind of his embrace in the 1990s of UFO stuff. And he was like a popular like public interest lawyer and a constitutional lawyer and kind of political activist in the 60s and 70s uh, and was involved in a number of relatively big cases, like including the Pentagon Papers, which, you know, has its uh, susness, and a number of uh, lawsuits related to Iran-Contra. And uh, I think in the 1980s, he founded the Christic Institute with a (laughs) Jesuit priest... um, yeah, that, uh, what was his name? I forget. Um, 
Eucharistic institute. Oh, William J. Davis, uh, the Reverend William J. Davis, who was a Jesuit priest right. um, mm-hmm. who had worked together on the Silkwood case, um, which I actually never saw the movie, the award-winning movie um, that came in, but uh, but that was about, I believe it was about, yeah, it was about like health and safety, like a scandal around health and safety at a nuclear-powered plant where uh, Karen Silkwood, I think, was murdered, I want to say, under suspicious circumstances. And then Mike Nichols directed, like, an Academy Award-nominated movie uh, where Meryl Streep played her. Mm -hmm. And um, the kind of, the whole legal case around it and bringing it to light and, like, suing the Kerr-McGee company was done by by Daniel Sheehan and William Davis. And I guess... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they represented victims of the, the nuclear disaster at Three Mile Island. They prosecuted KKK and American Nazi Party members for killing Communist Workers Party demonstrators in the 1979 Greensboro massacre, as well as police and federal agents whom they said had known about potential violence and had not adequately protected the victims, and defended Catholic workers providing sanctuary to Salvadoran refugees, I think in the early 1980s. Um, and uh, so they kind of had kind of like this like left wing bent to them for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah. vibes like really give me a lot of vibes of like the the sort of people that orbit around Julian Assange and Snowden. Um, like mm-hmm. uh, there's a kind of Greenwaldy vibe to this guy. I mean, especially because yeah. he's you know a lawyer. A for lawyer, like, he's, yeah. I he's always yeah. popping up pro bono. Um, and I guess in the 1980s there's some. The thing with the Christic Institute is like Although they. It's kind uh, of the opposite of Greenwald because he started out being like a left wing lawyer and then he kind of floated into being like a sort of uh, weird, like a uh, kind of Huanani commentator slash still lawyer sort of. Whereas yeah, Greenwald but if you like defending like racists, then became left wing. Oh yeah, was like that's true. Actually, else. no, you're uh, right. You're right. Yeah. There, there was more of actually um, an ideological shift going on than with Greenwald, who's always been defending Nazis. <laughs> Yeah. Since the um, very beginning. But, uh, but, yeah, but you know, and I think even the fact that Daniel Sheehan uh, helped, you know, uh, did work. I don't know if he was like the main lawyer, but he worked on the Pentagon Papers case. Of course, uh, uh, Daniel Ellsberg has his own kind of like air of susness around him. Um, mm-hmm. I think working for the Rand Corporation. I think he did work for the C- he was in Vietnam in the early 60s I don't know there's something so that was almost the original kind of limited hangout like uh, public interest you know big showdown thing uh, I think the official narrative around the Pentagon Papers is uh, specious to say the least but you know um, but you know Daniel Shand was like this very uh, colorful guy who got himself involved in a, a lot of things and even is still like involved today Um in uh, like the Dakota Pipeline, he was a big uh, person with that. He worked with Russell Means, I think, in the uh, American Indian Movement um, in I think the eighties and nineties. You know, he's done. A, he does. He focuses a lot of stuff on like the you know the assassination of JFK, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I guess the the Christic Institute was uh, it had its nonprofit charter revoked in 1982 around a an Iran Contra related lawsuit um, 
that uh, had a judge revoke their nonprofit status. So I guess it, uh, something blew up in his face. Um, but, oh, yeah, I just wanted to say, because it's worth noting, that in the 80s, the Christic Institute was financed by something called the New World Foundation. It was based in New York. Mm. Um, so it already sounds great, right? Like they're probably doing God's work. It was founded. Yeah. Let, let's see who founded this. All right. Uh, it was founded in 1954 by Anita McCormick Blaine, a prominent member of the McCormick family and an heiress to industrialist Cyrus Hall McCormick and a supporter of Henry Wallace's 1948 presidential campaign. Its initial funding of about $20 million was noted for progress towards education, ethics, peace, and public health. Um, and I guess uh, during the nineteen, the early nineteen sixties, the New World Foundation's goal was to aid education and promote better intergroup and international relations. During the ni- early nineteen seventies, the foundation supported various civil rights and community projects. Hillary Clinton, who Marion Wright Edelman had mentored, was on the board from nineteen eighty two to nineteen eighty eight and was its chair for some of that time, including nineteen eighty seven. During that time, the foundation gave money to a variety of organizations active in civil rights and other new left causes, including the Christic Institute, Grassroots International, Committee in Solidarity with the People of El Salvador, FAIR, and the National Lawyers Guild. By the early 1990s, the foundation was giving money to a Silicon Valley group fighting consequences of computer industry toxins, all the while undergoing criticism for being invested in the likes of Louisiana Pacific, Nike, and Philip Morris. Cool. So, yeah, awesome. weird that Hillary Clinton pops up in this, and that she was in a way a involved in the patronage of Daniel Sheehan's Christic Institute um, that was investigating yeah. Iran Contra. That, according to some people, her husband was like up to his, and she was up to her neck in. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, well, wouldn't Hillary that be Clinton a per- definitely was prominently like the in this documentary at least close encounters of the fifth kind it was like you know like they they did kind of uh you know uh despite being very steeped in q type terminology they did kind of include trump in some of the montages of mm-hmm. you know uh like evil politicians uh but they really lingered on on hillary uh yeah. and they definitely showed they had some later parts of their like the president you know he can't do anything and they just had shots of like trump with like his family or whatever you know like meliana <laughs> like holding hands you know like uh-huh. uh, yeah so, yeah i think it, it felt uh, a little calculated but, yeah. they didn't have a lot to to say uh, yeah. about know. Um, uh, yeah, but know but as we know uh, as we know from yeah, earlier because uh, like because we found it in the podesta emails that hillary clinton is you know uh no stranger to ufo shit and her campaign yeah. manager mm-hmm. john podesta is no stranger to it uh bill clinton's defense secretary william cohen is no stranger bill clinton isn't you know so you go down the list and like all these Democrats uh, that are really into UFO stuff. It's just an interesting kind of interlock there that Hillary Clinton was on the board of this foundation deciding to, uh, both on an Iran-Contra level and on a later on, they would be going to, you know, they'd both be maybe a little interested in the uh, disclosure question. Yeah, well, Hillary did say, like, I'm going to get to the bottom of it, right? Like, she, she did. made she some did. kind of statement, yeah. Uh, That's why they had I mean, to make yeah, her lose, yeah. because Exactly, uh, oh, yeah. my God. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but... That was the real steal. That was the real fraud. That's what the yeah. did. 
real. But yeah. but I think uh, uh, so. I mean, Daniel Sheehan now. This is a guy. Uh, he's like a triple Harvard alum, Harvard undergrad, Harvard Law School, Harvard Divinity School. So this guy, yeah. and he, you know, of course, as you might guess, is of an Irish Catholic persuasion, and founded this institute with a Jesuit priest, which you know, for certain people, might set off a few alarms a little bit. What's this guy, you know, doing running around with all these Jesuits? Um, we've yet to really dive deep into the Jesuits, but, you know, in certain uh, sectors of, you know, the conspiracy world, they loom quite large and are really mm, probably up there with the, I, maybe even beyond the Knights of Malta as basically the most sinister subsect of the, the Catholic Church. The, you know, the... Mm-hmm. the the Catholic, uh, yeah, they're, they're known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's ironic though, because I think, um, you know, this guy is kind of an interesting example of how there were some Jesuits in the seventies and the eighties that were, for example, like much more open to, and sometimes even openly advocating for like liberation theology, which was a synthesis of Catholic doctrine and Marxism, Leninism, (laughs) and like basically Marxism. Jesuits, yeah, Jesuits are known for being, like, uh, you know, they definitely have an association with uh, secrecy or maybe mm-hmm. even, like, uh, some kind of infiltration or espionage uh, is, is associated with the Jesuits. Uh, and I think that, you know, definitely, yeah. like, if you go back to the... Well, I think that a, a lot of it has to do also with the fact that the early ranks of the Jesuits were made up more so than perhaps other religious orders of, like, conversos and things like that, you know? And there was obviously suspicion around, like, whether people had actually given up their religious, uh, their previous religious beliefs, especially, like, their Jewish beliefs. Uh, So I think that that, like, is part of the reason for some of these uh, Jesuit, uh, part of the association for the Jesuits with sort of, uh, you know, deception um, although, of yeah. course, I, I'm sure the Jesuits have been party to, like, various deceptions or, or you know, uh, things that perhaps on behalf of the Catholic Church at, at various points. But, yeah, I mean, they're also known for being left-wing, uh, yeah. you know, as yeah. religious orders go. You know, and that's, I think, for the people who go for the Jesuit conspiracy theories, a lot of the time that, like, you know, is more proof, like, you know, rather than Oh, less, yeah, no, uh, and, and I think it might yeah. be, that might be the kind of the modern source of, is, like, the sort of the political polarities, like, within the Catholic Church in the 20th century, how the Jesuits kind of inevitably ended up usually, at least on, in public-facing roles, they seem to end up on the left side or the reformist side or the progressive mm-hmm. side of every issue, and we're always an enemy of traditionalism and we're also playing footsie with like socialist and left-wing and even communist uh, forces in the world that of course you know were in most cases officially uh, secular atheistic and uh, those ideas were you know legitimately provocative and of course with like the Vatican II councils in the 1960s you know, modernizing all of these things uh, in the church around the world, you know, there was kind of this climate of uh, 
uh, worry among the more like traditionalist, uh, you know, segments of the church that, you know, perhaps the Jesuits were kind of like up to something. Now, of course, we know that mm-hmm. the super right wing traditionalists were also up to something like running around with Licio Jelly and, you know, laundering like mafia money through the, yeah. you know, Vatican Bank and like probably helping like Gladio operatives like blow. Up. I don't know. Maybe not that. But, um, you know what I mean? Like like doing, you know, subversive operations uh and, you know, in some cases supporting, like, right-wing death squad, you know, governments mm-hmm. in Central and South America and Africa, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I'm almost, uh, I think there there's a part of me that's uh, willing to, you know, look at, like, the Jesuits. So it, it's like a weird inversion where the Jesuits are, oh, they're kind of, like, actually, like, the cool Catholic. I mean, they're, like, the based Catholics because, like, they develop, you know, some of them develop this... Uh, this like revolutionary synthesis of religion and like materialist based politics uh, that, you know, basically got stomped out by the eighties by John Paul II. He really hated it. Um, It was like, you know, it was way too uh, communist for him, but, uh, Mm. but still like, mm, I I have to resist, resist the urge to, um, you know, it's bit, you know what a perfect example of that is Pope Francis, you know, who I believe yeah. is the first first Jesuit pope. He is simultaneously accused of being a secret liberation theologist his entire career and is now like implementing liberation theology as the pope. Right. Pa- and at the same time, you know, yeah. he's making us worship uh, Pachamama, you know, or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, the the yeah, that that de- degenerate viral, uh, nativity scenes, yeah. uh, just yes. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. but at the same time, he's also uh, accused from a variety of places of collaborating with, you know, the Argentinian like military junta, like turning over left wing priests and activists and things like that in the 70s. So it's like, hmm, like, you know, what part of this is like an insight role and then what part of this is like what he actually believes. And that kind of sums up the murkiness of the Jesuits is like you are kind of never sure what they're... I've heard other uh, traditionalist Catholics say that you know, the, the common belief is that a lot of them were, like, literally KGB assets. Like, mm-hmm. they were... And, the, like, basically liberation theology was cooked up by, you know, uh, political theorists in Moscow and then disseminated amongst their <laughs> KGB asset Jesuit right. priests in, like, the third world mm-hmm. to blah, blah, blah. I mean, if so, I'd have to, like, tip my hat to, like, Moscow, you know? <laughs> like, uh, that's, like, um, a pretty ambitious yeah. plan, but I feel like it is more organic than that, and it was more, at, at least in a lot of cases, was a very genuine, um, I mean, it seems more genuine yeah. than, you know, uh, shepherding pedophiles and, like, laundering, like, mafia money uh, for 40 years while you rail about how communism is, like, destroying the church. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. That, so, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can see that even in, like, the Christic Institute, how they reorganized, like, after, you know, there was some controversy around the Christic Institute that led to its collapse, and maybe we should get into, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pri- after that, uh, Sheehan... Uh, reformed it as the uh the romero institute uh mm-hmm. kind of making it even more explicit uh sort of jesuit uh you know liberation theology reference totally so, the, uh, the old the yeah. martyr he wasn't one himself but basically the symbolic martyr of like uh, yeah, yeah liberation theology adjacent mm-hmm. catholicism yeah well you know he was canonized by by francis i guess so yeah um mm, he was you know, yeah same. like uh yeah definitely yeah for sure um, that same association admired for sure by, by Jesuits um, or people of that sort of 
uh, vaguely Jesuitic tendency of mm-hmm. uh, liberation theology. But there's a I'm reading an article right now on publiceye.org, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting uh, related to kind of the collapse of the, the Christic Institute. And uh, yeah, it goes into uh, how um, like... Uh, you know, their Iran-Contra's, uh, sort of, uh, litigation, uh, got stalled up, and, uh, they encountered a lot of problems, um, and, uh, you know, among the, like, uh, uh, among the sort of leadership, such as Sheehan, um, you know, uh, the, uh, there was, like, uh, you know, concern that, like, they were being, there's a conspiracy, you know, against them, which, you know, I'm sure, to some extent, there was, um, mm-hmm. But uh, this is what the article says. Uh, it is arguable that while Christic pursued the broad conspiracy of the secret team, you know, referring to uh, yeah, the L. Fritch- uh, L. Fletcher know, Prouty's right. book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bedrock portions of the case are involving the actual La Pensa incidents took a back seat. A few weeks before the case was slated for the trial, the Christic Institute still had not dis- diagrammed the elements of proof, a legal procedure where the text of the complaint is broken down into a list of single elements. It had to be proven with either valid documentation, a sworn affidavit, or a live witness. This created problems for researchers and lawyers who had no master list of what needed to be proven when devising questions for depositions and witnesses. When a special meeting was convened shortly before trial, it turned out that some of the allegations concerning the alleged broad secret team conspiracy, the only evidence in possession of the Christic Institute, was newspaper clippings and experts on books, and in a few incidents there was no evidence other than uncorroborated assertions collected by researchers. Raised at the meeting was the issue of whether or not the case had unwittingly incorporated unsubstantiated conspiracy theories from right-wing groups, such as the LaRussians. The staff was warned (laughs) that some defendants would likely prevail at trial uh, due to lack of court-quality evidence and would then likely pursue financial penalties. So people got pissed because Daniel Sheehan, like, started poisoning all of his cases with LaRussi crap. Wow. And everyone was going to get off the hook because they were, like, not presenting core quality evidence and just a bunch yep. of, like, allegations with no actual evidence at all except for, like, LaRouche's newsletter. Um, oh, my and, God, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so this led to, like, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of issues. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, someone, uh, Reynolds, I guess Dr. Diana Reynolds, another critic of portions of the Christic thesis, uh, Reynolds, an assistant professor of politics at Bradford College in Massachusetts, thinks undocumented conspiracy theories hurt the Christic case. She believes there is much solid evidence concerning the actual La Pensa bombing and aftermath and some specific around Contra material, but she thinks it is fair to say that some right-wing conspiracy theories were woven into the theory behind the Christic case. Reynolds read thousands of pages of depositions taken by the Christic Institute while she was researching a story on federal emergency planning, later published in Covert Action Information Bulletin. According to Reynolds, mm-hmm. It is clear to me from the depositions of Ed Wilson and Gene Wheaton that the notion of a broad conspiracy conducted by the so-called Enterprise, uh, mm-hmm. interesting, the Enterprise, beyond yeah. the La Pensa bombing and the specific Iran-Contra scandal has many holes. I am thoroughly convinced that those two depositions contain the nub of the unsubstantiated conspiracy theory, and I have said this for a very long time. When we get into the Christic allegations regarding the Middle East and Asia and the Camp David Accords and 40 years of conspiracy, their thesis falls apart. Reynolds says suggested it's fair to ask whether or not the whether or not Christic was manipulated by right wing persons associated with factions in the intelligence community. Mm. It is curious that Wilson is a former intelligence operative and that Wheaton, 
at the same time he was working for Christic, was also alleged by Mr. Owen in his Christic deposition to be passing information to Neil Livingston at the National Security Council to protect some of the people who were implicated in the Iran-Contra scandal, says Reynolds. At least yeah. two former Christic investigators who they warned she had not to rely on conspiratorial analysis and to be suspicious of material from right-wing sources. Nevertheless, Sheehan was rebuked by his own staff and others in Christic leadership for repeatedly lapsing into an overly conspiratorial analysis and public appearances and for making claims that the Christic staff could not document or otherwise support on responding to follow-up inquiries by reporters. Um, mm. So they hotly deny, uh, but, you know, that they wove right-wing conspiracy theories into their case, but they did have extensive LaRouche contacts uh, mm-hmm. that they don't dispute. Um, yes. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah that that is a huge thing and i guess like that uh that opens up the door into like all kinds of interesting interactions that Sheehan was having in the 70s going into the 80s and uh we found a particularly interesting blog article uh from mike mclowry.wordpress.com that is like a real banger of a takedown of Daniel Sheehan <laughs> yeah, it is. that literally uh, ta- it might touch upon almost every topic we've done in every episode. Like, uh, like the entire dramatis personae of like all of the Contra episodes and what we just did with LaRouche and uh, all these other things um, with a lot of good Jesuit paranoia mixed in. Yes, um, and definitely. Th- so basically, um, yeah, uh, it's it basically, I think, yeah, so he founded it in, I think, in a 19, uh, it starts here in 19, there's like a lot, we can't get to all of it, but um, <laughs> I think, you know, we'll, we'll just talk about, in 1976, um, he, uh, the author writes, I should probably now bring up what else was getting off the ground here in 1976. LaRouche requesting to work with the Catholic-dominated, per Miles Copeland, CIA. Dennis King <clears throat> wrote in, uh, in his biography that we mentioned in Chapter 5 um, of LaRouche, uh, the Redding Trio did indeed operate a scam. However, the LaRouchians had a history of extensive dealings with the intelligence community dating back over a decade, entirely apart from this. The NCLC, LaRouche's group, first offered its services to the CIA in 1976. By the way, this is when George H.W. Bush was director. Just throwing it out there. A longtime CIA contract agent uh, who... Uh, uh, Mitch Warbell, who we mentioned in the last episode, subsequently became LaRouche's security advisor, and meetings with several retired high-level CIA officials took place. I bring that into the mix here because Lyndon LaRouche would arrange very similarly styled conspiracy fa- uh, facticians as Sheehan and Davis would soon em- embark upon. They all contained one key element. They misdirected attention off who was really controlling whatever it was they were, quote, exposing, something Sheehan would do throughout his career, from what I've been able to ascertain. The CIA official mentioned in the above reference was Mitch Warble, and that happened in 1977. You're going to see me start bringing in Scientology elements into this now because that's where Sheehan <laughs> is going to show up next. Um, uh, just before Guardian Office and Delphi School staff uh, Paul, uh, Paolo Leone put out his book, in 1977, Mitch Werble, a CIA non-official contractor asset, starts an extended and little-noticed relationship with LaRouche as his personal security advisor, and exactly the same year as Leone put out his book, 1978, Werble brought in, who else? John Singlaub. Um, And I guess... uh, 
let's see. Uh, Mitch Werbel, this is from another old blog, uh, old post uh, from Peterdale Scott, I believe. Uh, Mitch Werbel would himself be indicted on drug smuggling charges in 1976, two years before he began an extended and little-noticed relationship with John Singlaub and Lyndon LaRouche. It is hard to explain Singlaub's dealings in the same period, 1978 to 82, with his former Kunming OSS colleague Mitch Werbel, and more importantly, with Werbel's employer since 1977, Lyndon LaRouche. Then, July 8, 1977 rolls around, and the Church of Scientology gets raided by the FBI. Within a matter of weeks, Jesuit Daniel Sheehan appears on the scene defending Scientology, and they found in the WikiLeaks Church of Scientology FBI files, um, there was a letter sent from the Church of Scientology to Congress basically complaining of persecution by the federal government. And it mentions in here, Daniel Sheehan, Jesuit chairman of the Civil Rights Task Force of the Washington Interreligious Staff Council, points out that the FBI raid is one more stage of an escalated confrontation which is developing between the American church community and investigative agencies of the federal executive department. Now, why do you imagine would we see Sheehan, a Catholic, defending the Church of Scientology? Uh, look at the last paragraph from page two of the Scientology's letter. Quote, Recently, a church-sponsored commission turned over to Congress a report on Bolivian Interpol agents trafficking in cocaine. Names were included. The Justice Department, it was hoped, would investigate and find the various connections within the U.S. Their answer was to raid our church. Exposures done thus far of illegal activities by justice and other agencies has only shown the tip of the iceberg. The Church of Scientology, it's from a newspaper article three weeks prior to the raid, wrote that the Church of Scientology claims that last Friday's raids by the FBI and church offices in Washington and L.A. was in retaliation for evidence gathered on Interpol. Uh, and given to the United States Justice Department three weeks ago. Scientologists claim they have found documents and other proof on how Interpol is connected with cocaine and heroin smuggling along with French intelligence. Church officials say they have documents giving names, dates, places, and transactions. They say they have documents that show how high government officials were aware of Interpol dealing but refused to do anything about it. What the Geo guys were stepping on was the, this is the author, the blog author again, what the Geo guys were stepping on was the Vatican's involvement in the drug trafficking in Bolivia. So they have a Jesuit attorney show up like some white knight of old. This Catholic church representative was not defending the Guardian office. They were protecting themselves. That is fucking devious as shit. If you look at the part of what Sheehan said again in light of Vatican drug trafficking involvement, you can see it. Quote, escalating confrontation which is developing between the American church community and investigative agencies of the federal executive department. Um, I guess uh, good people in the, BN the BNDD, later called the DEA, and other parts of the U.S. government have been increasingly getting on to the fact there was CIA MI6 complicity in drug trafficking. It was part of carrying out Operation Gladio, but that aspect was not known by most well into the 90s, and their investigations were starting to get perilously close to exposing the Vatican banker's role in sharing the profits in a huge way. That is why you see a Catholic Jesuit like Sheehan saying doing what he did. It's a message. Kind of like the message that Francis Lemuel sent in regards to the lawsuit, Scientology was then running against the DEA to force it to release files. A kind of, we go down, you go down, so knock this shit off message. Um, and I guess, uh, so, mm, I guess, you know, this is, uh, uh, 
they post a lot of uh, declassified articles about the Vatican and the CIA uh, uh, basically forming a branch of Cis Alpine. I think that's a bank specifically just for laundering cocaine money from South America in 1975. And he talks about Klaus Barbie, the Butcher of Lyon, um, yeah. who, as we said, you know, set up the cocaine operation in Bolivia and, uh, you know, had an army of mercenaries, the Angels of Death, that, you know, he loaned out. There's a very weird thing where a uh, Larry McDonald, a Georgia congressman who in the 80s became the second president of the John Birch Society, basically read a conspiratorial uh, kind of screed into the congressional record in 1978 uh, that I guess involved... It's a little unclear, like what the argument being made here is. Why uh, this yeah, right wing congressman? Yeah, there's definitely some unclear aspects yeah. of this argument. Yeah, uh, we don't need to go into all which, of it, but apparently, which, like, wait, which right wing congressman are you talking about? Uh, uh, Larry McDonald. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, In fact, congressmen were allied and used by Scientology first, and then publicly came out attacking Scientology. Makes McDonald even more obvious as a disinformation. Do whatever intelligence wants to cause chaos and confusion. Source. Uh, yeah, and I think he points, he does something similar where it's like kind of unclear reasoning. I mean, you know, like you can't hold uh, the Mike McLeodtree blog to the absolute highest standard, although we do appreciate uh, the thoroughness of this uh, mm-hmm. long screed here. Um, he says a, a similar stuff later on, uh, like about um, the uh, like uh, sort of UFO stuff related to some of these things. He says, uh, yeah, it goes, um, you know, pretty... Uh, oh, yeah, he's... Yeah, so he's, yeah, stuff. like, yeah. maybe let's get into uh, the, like, his things that he's saying about, basically, uh, UFOs in the Vatican. Because <laughs> he's he's yeah. kind of... He works uh, that into, I mean, along the way, but, like, I guess, uh, I, I don't know, uh, John Singlaub, like, was hanging out with LaRouche and founded the fucking Western Goals Foundation... And was hanging out with Warble, who was training LaRouche, uh, and there's a bunch of Texas millionaires yeah, involved. Yeah, there's a lot of it, uh, like, yeah, <laughs> he does kind of talk about it at the end, like, ha- of that article uh, in the Mike McLeodtree blog, uh, mm-hmm. about, you know, Daniel Sheehan in particular, um, and, uh, yeah, like, uh, he goes into it, like, at, uh, you know, uh, pretty uh, significant length. Um, mm-hmm. he, yeah, yeah it's, uh, like you know, the synonym um, is involved. Synonym is also involved. Yeah. Like it's all, uh, well, yes. it's good grist for another day, um, but I think, but somehow yes. also uh, I noticed that Daniel Sheehan was a big booster of the anonymous protest against Scientology in the late two thousands. Mm, and, wow, and he was yeah, also a big booster. I think I remember him as like a presence somewhere in Occupy. Like he was on TV, he mm-hmm. was going down there and probably, but you know, offering a uh, free legal representation or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently, a conscious computer spacecraft from the future contacted Daniel Sheehan. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> he had childhood close encounter experiences um, analogous to the one that Jack Sarfati reported in the Parsifal Effect, according to this guy. That's a quote from mm-hmm. Jack Sarfati, who says. 
he had these experiences uh, analogous to the one I reported in the, in the part of the full effect. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. so he was contacted by a conscious computer spacecraft from the future, allegedly, according to Jack Sarfati on MyNet Journal. So, uh, given Sheehan's past history of showing up to either tanker control areas of slave master interest that people mm-hmm. are looking into, I'd say that his involvement in the UFO community tanks on a decidedly tainted light. Uh, it's almost, I guess he meant takes on, it's almost as if you can confirm that the Vatican has something to hide if you see Sheehan show up. So yeah, he's very into the Vatican uh, like conspiracy angle here. He basically, uh, you know, this is about like the Vatican disclosure of the UFOs. Uh, I contacted the Jesuit who happens to be the head of the Vatican Library requesting this information, and much to my surprise, I was denied information. I wrote a second letter to then say, look, I guess you must not know who we are. This is Jesuit headquarters in the United States. We have 10 provinces here in the United States, more than any other country in the world, and we're requesting this information to share with the president. They still decline, so I have to report that to Marsha Smith, who was head of the Science Technology Division of the Library of Congress Congressional Research Service, and she asked if I would be willing to become counsel, special counsel, to this investigation that was being conducted by the Science and Technology Committee. So I guess this is what uh, Daniel uh, Sheehan is saying, uh, which is Mm -hmm. just gibberish. But anyway, I agreed to do this, and I told her that I would need to have access to certain kinds of information that I would like to have. She said, what would you like to see? I said, well, the first thing I'd like to see is the classified sections of Project Blue Book, those sections that have been referred to by Mr. Dolan earlier and by Gordon as not really available. Much to our surprise, I was invited permission to see them. I was given permission to see them, and they brought them to Washington. Um, So uh, Mike McClatchy was not impressed by that. Um, He says, either Mm -hmm. the so-called classified is a bunch of crapshit disinformation deliberately planted and tagged classified for suckers, uh, mm-hmm. or Sheehan is lying and nothing like this ever happened. Um, you know, he's saying, I really hate it when people like this falsely characterize things as amazing and spiritual somehow that are total horseshit. Not only does it work to discredit real magical spiritual happenings, which do exist, but it's just plain evil to try and hide those real experiences, trying to describe that kind of special ability slash happening onto somewhere it does not belong. That's what I think, uh, Daniel is doing here. Yeah, uh, I would definitely agree, uh, with that, uh, analysis of him in general, um Mm -hmm. but uh that's just like uh general uh so he's saying that uh you know the vatican does have something to hide but Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to do with these gray aliens um he says that uh sheehan says uh that's the issue that's before us right now because if in fact we are not in ultimate control and there is an extraterrestrial intelligence of this type of sophistication that's been visiting our planet entering our airspace and outmaneuvering our aircraft it is perfectly clear that from political consciousness that abides inside our executive branch and inside our legislature, that is not something they want to share with the American people because it would ultimately undermine the confidence of the governed in their governors. Uh, mm. You know, so, uh, but the Vatican isn't sharing it either. So mm-hmm. according to this guy, uh, that's a problem. Uh, you know, a little bit of an anti-Catholic strain here. He's saying uh, he thinks America's about being governed. That's so Catholic of him to spin it that way. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I love it. But, uh, I love it. Um, yeah. Um, so, yes, he... Well, uh, also, I, then, I, I... Yeah, he's... Yeah. I, oh, I just, well, he just did, did you notice? He contradicts himself. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I noticed that he has a colorful anecdote here about, like, the rivalry between George H.W. Bush and Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. that i guess from uh, his te- his testimony in 2013 i didn't say this no yeah so i um, guess he i guess he said he does say that basically um that uh he 
Yeah, so he spoke at the 2013 Citizens Hearing on UFO uh, disclosure and uh, had some choice quotes. Like, um, he says that at one point he contacted the Jesuit, who happens to be the head of the Vatican Library, requesting this information about UFO data. And much to my surprise, I was denied information. I wrote a second letter to then say, look, I guess you must not know who we are. This is the Jesuit headquarters yeah. in the United States. We have 10 prob. Oh, yeah, I think he did that. Yeah, and this so, is what I just read, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, it was that. And yeah, he says he was granted permission to read the Blue Book files. But then here's this anecdote that he said later. Uh, immediately after his election in November 1976, President Carter called into his office, then CIA Director George H.W. Bush. President Carter asked to be briefed by the director of the CIA on the issue of UFOs. In that meeting, CIA Director Bush asked the president-elect if the president-elect would leave him in as the CIA director and that he would in return promise not to run for political office if President-elect Carter would promise to keep him as director of CIA. Bush wanted to become more or less like J. Edgar Hoover had become at the FBI. He would remain that it would be above politics and he would remain in that position. President-elect Carter reiterated his quest for the UFO information, saying he had his own person in mind to be director of CIA, which happened to be Teddy Sorensen. Bush at that time then refused to provide the information to President-elect Carter, saying he did not have adequate clearances, that he was not the president yet, and that he should ask his own CIA director for that information. But if he wanted to have the information ahead of time, he could contact the Science and Technology Committee of the House of Representatives, uh, and uh, they could go about getting things declassified to show him. That is what generated the request from the Congressional Research Service to me as general counsel for the Jesuit headquarters in the United States, asking if I could gain access to the Vatican Library to obtain the information that the Vatican has in the library's classified sections to deliver to the president for his review. I contacted the Jesuit, uh, who happened to be head of the Vatican Library, requesting this information, and much to my surprise, I was denied. Uh, and... Uh, McClowery says, does that sound in any way logical to you that a congressional committee would ask Sheehan for access to the Vatican Library rather than asking them directly? It doesn't to me at all. Um, you have to figure with Sheehan here that he's showing up for a specific reason on this point. What is it? What is he capitalizing on? You get a hint of what it is in this part. Quote, there are very high-level meetings going on right now with the new pope to discuss what positions are going to be taken by the International Catholic Church with regard to the theology. My understanding, as former chief counsel for the Jesuits, is that the Catholic Church does not want to be behind the power curve on this issue. They realize that with the increasing contact and discovery of additional planets, it is going to become clear within our lifetimes that highly technologically developed extraterrestrial intelligence actually exists. Um, and he says, um, yeah, you mean like the advanced technologies they appropriated for themselves as far back as the time of the Nesalim and then lied about the source they really got it from? <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't know yeah, what that's about. Uh, I don't know they, if he means uh, Nephilim. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Uh, they, uh, hate, uh, you know, I guess this was actually by Virginia, uh, McLeod oh, okay. Tree, which is, uh, under the Mike McLeod Tree banner, uh, Virginia's yes. research. But, uh, she, yeah, she obviously really hates Catholicism. Uh, but yeah, like, uh. <laughs> You know, um, she does point out how, like, uh, I mean, I almost think that, like, her theory is that he is, like, uh, you know, running interference for the Vatican, but I don't necessarily know if that is, I would say that that is true. I would say that, like, you know, there's, uh, there's something definitely going on with him, but I mm -hmm. don't think that it's maybe the Vatican that's managing him. It is interesting that... He like as she as she mentions uh, later on like uh 
the, I guess, Consul Magno, uh, you know, who, uh, was the astronomer for the Vatican, um, he said mm-hmm. there were no Vatican UFO secrets, you know, Daniel Sheehan obviously was like, no, there are Vatican UFO secrets, you know, uh, <laughs> which is, uh, interesting, and I mean, he's definitely gone out of his way to associate himself with the Jesuits, like, and with yeah. the Vatican, and, like, you know, we're working together to, uh, you know, figure out, uh, this UFO situation, uh, to figure out how, uh, you know, uh, this, um, will, will work or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, no, he definitely, he, yeah, but is he working as so, I mean, it almost feels like they're doing like a reverse LaRouche a little bit. Like, you know, surely this person is a puppet of British intelligence, you know, like, of um, course, yes. you know, like caught again, your majesty yes. uh you know caught again uh father uh, you know mm-hmm. yes no it, he's definitely seen as being like uh in this, the ufo community it seems like uh you know people see him as being like connected to the catholic church which means he's like connected to the, to the nwo but mm-hmm. i almost uh feel like really uh it's more likely that he like is uh you know, being, like, an, is, like, an asset of, like, the same, like, you know, uh, intelligence-adjacent things that, like, caused him to, like, sabotage his own Iran-Contra, uh, yeah. l- like, lawsuit. Um, yeah, yeah, like, with Hillary Clinton's like blessing and, and financial support, whole, uh, yeah. totally fucked up. And it's just and... gone down that whole, yeah, and, like, uh, insofar as, like, there, he has some, like, investment in dealing with the Vatican. I don't know. I almost feel like that's just like window dressing. Maybe there's something going on there. Uh, well, I don't know. Here, I mean, the Vatican definitely has shown interest in it. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. No, that, that's uh, for so, sure. That yeah. That's for sure. So maybe um, there's some kind of like limited hangout or like control going on there. Well, those sort of tease that, uh, you know, oh, there's, you know, there's some kind of secrets. And then you have like Sheehan who's like kind of not formally associated but like kind of connected where he'll come out and like tease about all the secrets that they have there might be some kind of strange uh you know manipulation going on there potentially but uh that would not be the focus of my like read on on him although certainly it is uh the mcleod tree analysis uh well just just Um, to give a, a little more flavor about like what he's saying like in over the last few years uh i i found it very amusing that the, the mcclary blog uh found a post on the steve pachenik talks forum from october 2016 oh, yeah. and yeah th- this is just one person's opinion but i guess they they said this past weekend i went to a talk at mufon to hear Je- daniel sheehan talk about the et situation and have followed his work on human rights for many years since the christic institute and as a harvard law school lawyer in all caps for some reason uh i i was perplexed and still am about his true agenda as a jesuit lawyer for the vatican in the usa and his proposals about pope francis wanting to take down the banking system of the nwo true or not basically is daniel a wolf in sheep's clothing i have in the past admired him for his work on the pentagon papers litigation silkwood case journalists rights not to reveal their sources and his general campaign as a constitutional lawyer However, I do know Pope Francis's past and his killing of nuns and others for his own past agenda in Argentina. I have tried to find out on the internet, but I still cannot find out if Daniel is a very clever shill posing as a lion. Please clarify and help. 
Daniel is a major player now in the UFO circuit, and many people are believing and admiring his talks and agendas, which are connected to the Catholic Church that we know is NWO all the way. <laughs> well, Einstein observed that a particle being could be in two places at once, like that. The same thing. And so he couldn't really explain it, but he just called it spooky. But it's not spooky when you think about it. The whole cosmos is actually non-local because it's conscious. A few years ago, there was a journal, a physics journal, that published, and it was actually on the front page of Newsweek, back in the late 80s, early 90s, where they did a study. And what they were doing is that they were studying photons and shooting them down uh, 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 an area, and they were, there would be an aperture or a window that it would go through. But what happened is that physicists found that when they thought of where they were going to move, the photons changed course precognitively. In other words, the photons reacted with the thought and consciousness and intent of the physicists. And this was done over and over again and proven. This was published in mainstream physics journals. But people say, oh, well, that's interesting. Well, I don't know what it means. They chuck to the side. This is in the mainstream physics journals. You look this study up. And then, of course, you have people like Dr. Bob John of Princeton, Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Lab, the Peer Lab. And back in the 90s, he and I spoke about this. He says, you know what you're doing out under the stars is, is sort of in a clinical, experiential way what I'm proving in the lab. And that is that everything is conscious. And everything can react to thought and consciousness. Um, right, so, yes. I mean, uh, so th that's interesting there because it mentions that he's running around at MUFON saying that Pope Francis wants to take down the NWO banking system. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a very Tradcath kind of uh, take. Like, you know, he's going to create the Empire of Guadalupe uh, and get rid of usury. Uh, you know, with Laudato C or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, What do we have from yeah. the from the church itself well, it's, saying? To to yeah, what extent are they actually into it? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I wonder. Like, it's a, it's a weird uh, sort of pairing between him and uh, Stephen Greer because I feel like you know how would uh, you know what about all the the oppression of uh, Christians that happens in in uh india even though they're embracing their prana and like their advanced you know understanding it almost seems like they're trying to like both like converge on this from like their kind of religious angle but they're like kind of at odds in a way i almost feel like from the point of view of like we need to move on from like ourselves being at the center you know mm -hmm. uh i guess any religion like contrary to like the the canard that is often out there any religion could deal with the revelation of extraterrestrial life like it's supposed to be mm -hmm. a huge shock to the system and certainly it would be a major thing but like uh you know it's just a matter of like who get like you know maybe there's some kind of idea of like a scramble for like who gets out ahead of it first and maybe there's an opening there for like a transformation like you know for new religious teachings or for new uh fat like factions within uh -huh. like these religious organizations for to, sure. Like, you know, to, to get control through, like, uh, you know, territorializing this new domain. 
Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, like, uh, but, I mean, there, yeah, there, a there are a few, the the, there are uh, a couple, I think, yeah. uh, was it Cardinal, uh, Monsignor Corrado Balducci, uh, a long, a long time friend of Pope John Paul II, the Vatican's leading exorcist. It's one of multiple people from the Vatican who has been very outspoken about extraterrestrials on multiple occasions. He has stated that contact between humans and extraterrestrials has already happened. I guess he said, quote, uh, the existence of these things is real. We can't have doubts. And so, uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess some people... Right, we can't have doubts. Word. You can't doubt it. Um, and there was another uh, Jesuit priest, I think, that is quoted here, uh, Father Gabriel Funes from Argentina, uh, just released an article titled, literally, Aliens Are My Brother, detailing various extraterrestrial scenarios as they relate to Christian theology. You can still see him speaking uh, live on this subject still eight years later in this video where his topic is searching for interstellar spirituality. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess uh, in a 2008 New York Times article, the Vatican's chief astronomer says there is no conflict between believing in God and in the possibility of extraterrestrial brothers, perhaps more evolved than humans. In my opinion, this possibility exists, said the Reverend uh, Jose Funes. Uh, head of the Vatican Observatory and a scientific advisor to Pope Benedict XVI, referring to life on other planets. Uh, Funes, who runs the observatory that is based south of Rome and in Arizona, held out the possibility that the human race might actually be the lost sheep of the universe. There could be other beings, quote, who remained in full friendship with their creator, he said. I mean, that that that's a that's a big swing in terms of... Uh, revisionist that's that's uh, getting to like yeah, cosmonaut well, jesus christ territory of, yeah well i guess that's the yeah, the idea that there was no fall i guess um hmm. for the aliens you know they didn't like the adam and eve of the aliens didn't like mess up in some way once again a christian idea that like other religions don't necessarily have the idea of like there being some you know of course jesus had to die for the sin to be purged or whatever Mm -hmm. um but yeah yeah i mean that is definitely getting into cosmonaut jesus christ territory um (laughs) i don't maybe he learned it from his soviet handlers um yeah uh, (laughs) yeah um but you know uh, yeah he's he's a strange strange character daniel sheehan overall Mm -hmm, and it's not clear Uh, what the catholic church is kind of getting i i mean maybe it is this kind of but like you know do they have some da vinci code secret archive managed by the jesuits that that has all the ufo information in it yeah i mean they do have like their own like astronomical laboratory which is uh you know and also like what do i feel like some of these people within the catholic church like you know they there must be people within it who are basically the equivalent of academics where like Mm-hmm. they uh can like investigate like whatever suits their fancy so like the theological implications of like a popular topic like possible extraterrestrial life like obviously like you're gonna comment on that i mean i feel like like the ulama like would do the same like uh and probably has done the same but like you know we have like a uh a, a standard explanation of just saying everything's gin so mm-hmm. like that might uh be yeah although it is an interesting conflict between that and sort of the you know uh mcclatry did mention the sort of religious objection that led to the sort of uh shutdown of the uh you know according to 
like Harry Reid and some of the people who were involved in in ATIP, as we mentioned in our in our earlier episode on UFOs, mm-hmm. the idea that like it was shut down due to like religious objections, like uh, you know he does kind of, uh, or I guess it's all part of Virginia's research. So she does uh, mention that uh, you know it is uh, odd how like uh, this uh, religious objection would emerge, uh, you know. Um, like uh to to the the continuation of this program from certain congress people she obviously says like the vatican is like behind this but i don't know i feel it seems more like maybe an evangelical uh yeah it it does seem Um, to be there's a there's a dichotomy here where i feel like the uh, evangelical currents are much more likely to be fearful of aliens and see them as a threat and not yeah it's interesting because i feel like Catholicism, they have like a more uh, established demonology, but I guess maybe it's that just a Puritan uh, legacy in, in America of just like being hyper vigilant about demons. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> I guess. But the, yeah, they also like have someone in some cases. Congressman who, yeah, the yeah. whole thing is like, you know, they were investigating, you know, they might have found the truth, but then like this whole. Uh, new religious information like uh this is what mcclabtree says you know hal Putoff, harold e Putoff said that mm-hmm. we're sort of in the position of what would happen if you gave leonardo da vinci a garage door opener i think we might have talked about like quoted this in our earlier episode first of all he tried to figure out what this plastic stuff uh is he wouldn't know anything about the electromagnetic signals involved or its function an interesting characterization to be sure and one that reveals that they actually did have some real advanced as in not slave master controlled remnants that they were analyzing so like uh the slave master is like you know that's like the catholic church slash everyone you know the cabal the cabal mr global uh, yeah mr global (laughs) etc clearly things were going a little too well in this program because around 2010 officials at the pentagon started floating the usual quote-unquote embarrassment possibility as an excuse to stop the program which means it probably was making significant progress and they didn't want the public to know but it was the push to stop it on religious grounds that was really interesting that had to be Vatican related as usual. <laughs> um, you know, but I almost feel like that was uh, evangelical and not like Vatican related. So I'm not sure. Although it is interesting that like there's, you know, this sort of conflict between the religious way that he uh, is sort of framing it and also the way that Stephen Greer frames it and this uh, religious objection that emerges like uh, among some people, you know, it's obviously hotly contested what the nature yeah. of like these entities uh is yeah exactly <laughs> this is funny. and the level uh, of trust in a 2002 interview with a uh, u.s catholic uh consul magno uh the consul magno the planetary scientist again at the vatican's observatory uh mm-hmm. he said any entity no matter how many tentacles it has has a soul he said um <laughs> oh yes, what that's specific uh, uh yes it, uh, yeah I any guess, I mean, entity it, 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 no matter how many tentacles it has is he talking Do about Cthulhu? Do Catholics believe that animals have souls? Um, uh, I really don't, I don't believe. I don't believe so, but pe- I feel like more people would like lie and well, say like your, your dog has a soul. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe if you get deep um, into the weeds, that's kind of true. But I don't. The I don't think that the sort of normal teaching is that. You yeah, know, so a, I a guess dog he's referring, or an ant so not any entity has a soul. So yeah, that's definitely I don't know. Well, we'll see. But you know, yeah, he also uh discussed the theological implications of discovering alien life at a conference. Uh he took on the topic, would you baptize an extraterrestrial? Yeah, uh, 
this is uh, something interesting. Something uh, something interesting that uh, Michael Autry uh, excerpted. According to Chris Putnam and Tom Horn, authors of Exo Vaticana, Pope mm-hmm. Francis I is preparing to lead the Catholic Church to embrace aliens as brothers in Christ, reflective of the 1950s and 1960s contactee reports of benevolent space brothers. Putnam and Horn's Ex- Exo Vaticana portends a future religious war between those accepting extraterrestrials as brothers in Christ and those believing them to be returning demons about to enslave us. Oh, God. Um, oh, is that is that where Bluebeam's going to go? It, it's going to um, become uh, a huge human civil war between people that accept the aliens and people that think they're demons? I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't the know if that's Hegelian where uh, Bluebeam is headed. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll see. Like, uh, I mean, definitely it's already a very contentious issue. Like, some people are of the opinion, like, all aliens are demons. Some people are in the gray area. You know, I think, like, they're jinn, but do they come from space? Maybe. There's there's jinns in space. Um, sure. You know, definitely. I mean, there's also probably some angels in be. space. Uh, yeah, but, we don't... You know, yeah. uh, but you can't really, like, you know, trust these, these jinn, especially if you're well, getting a bad Well, th- that's the thing, that, like, you know? I feel like it's interesting that he never used... I don't think he talked very much, if at all, about... Uh, or used the terminology of angels when he was talking about that? Because I would think that if you're talking about these beings i mean i guess he wants to avoid these kind of like uh you know abrahamic concepts of like you know angels perhaps in general but i would say angels generally have like a positive connotation like a universally more or less positive connotation as long as they're not fallen angels you know where it's like oh if you told me i could trust an angel if i sit down and meditate uh an angel ufo will come then you know maybe i wouldn't be as afraid of it but if you're like, oh, it's just like a, a visitor. Like, what do you mean a visitor? Oh, are you talking about a Claxton man? Is it going to be a Job the Hutt slug <laughs> god? Like, um, what is, is it a gym? Yeah. Like, what, that, that doesn't say anything about it, its intent or its, uh, its inherent, you know, goodness or whether or not I should perceive it uh, as a Yeah, planet. you never really mentioned angels at all. Um, but I guess, you know, I mean, I definitely have consumed some like uh or you know encountered and consumed some like evangelical content about i think it was called like beware of angels or something like uh mm-hmm. you know talking about how a lot of the time like angelic messengers or ascended masters who talk to people of course like you know they're, they're all demons um mm. and they'll like destroy your life you know so <laughs> i mean obviously that's like a, a big problem with like that's the whole thing with like the spiritual communication like it's not like uh, emergence of it into like the mainstream and also like the political consciousness in a way I guess, like, it's something that's been brewing for a while and existed, like, for, you know, a long time. Like, you can see mm-hmm. kind of something that sort of happens in America, like, maybe during the, the 60s and then, uh, you know, post the, the flying saucer boom, like, in the 1950s, you know. Uh, yeah. And then sort of there, it also happened in the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's... The, but it's, uh, you know, definitely something that you can see happening again with, like, Demi Lovato, like, being, like, happy contact or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Download she your is CE5 like, app. Right, yeah, she's like literally doing Stephen Greer's method, like, uh, yeah. to do With this, Stephen yeah. Greer, yeah. And, you know, Post uh, Malone, probably every like satanic sound, like, you know, satanic young rapper, uh, probably believes in UFOs. Uh, yeah, well, it's I mean, Stephen Tyler, you know, obviously. It's, un- it's unknown, so that's cool. Uh, it's unknown. That's true. It's unknown. 
Yeah, well, upside down um, crosses. Maybe maybe we'll start to like wrap up a little bit. The last thing I did want to bring up a little bit, it's not covered in this documentary, but it's something that I think happened since we recorded our first uh, UFO episode like over a month ago. And, you know, we've talked about Jin, we talked about angels, talked about the Vatican. We should probably include the uh, the other, you know, third member of the Abrahamic Troika and talk about what happened, what came out of Israel recently. Um, oh, right, yes, the Galactic Haim, Federation. Yeah, Haim Ashed, who was the head of uh, the IDF Space Security Agency. He's 87 years old, and in December, he, I guess he published his, uh, his like, memoirs or something, uh, but was giving an interview that parts of which got translated, you know, into English media, uh, where he basically said, let me see here, that aliens are real and U.S. President Donald Trump knows about it. Israel's former space security chief uh, has made uh, an unprecedented claim in an interview stressing they're keeping their existence a secret as, quote, humanity is not ready for them. Uh, Haim Ashed, 87, in an interview to Israel's Yediat Aharonot newspaper, spoke extensively about extraterrestrial life and also elaborated about, quote, an agreement between the U.S. government and a galactic federation of aliens. Mr. Ashed has headed Israel's space security program for nearly three decades. Uh, he claims there is an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens um, as they wish to research and understand the, the fabric of the universe. Uh the Jerusalem Post quoted him as saying, uh, citing the original interview published in Hebrew, the co- this cooperation apparently includes a secret underground base on Mars. Uh, kind of interesting. Uh, Donald Trump stopped short of revealing their existence because the Galactic Federation insisted humanity is not ready yet. Yeah, yeah. The aliens insisted humans need to quote evolve and reach a stage where we will understand what space and spaceships are. Interesting. Kind of lends to the uh, interdimensional hypothesis. It's another dimension. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's the yeah. Gen, it's the higher uh-huh. spheres. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yeah. yeah all and points of light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess Ashed said, um, "Quote: If I had come up with what I'm saying today five years ago, I would have been hospitalized." He has made similar claims in his book, *The Universe Beyond the Horizon: Conversations with Professor Haim Ashed*. While there's been no reaction from the U.S. government or Donald Trump on this, social media has been flooded uh, ever since the interview. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, Kind of a – this got a lot of press. I remember this flying past. I guess, you know, this guy sounds relatively authoritative. But, of course, we've seen, you know, people like uh, Chris Mellon who, uh, you know, was like a deputy – defense secretary for intelligence or something you know it's definitely or richard doty for that example um you can't necessarily trust somebody Mm -hmm. uh just because but but this is kind of like i think equivalent to i don't know if it's more equivalent to nasa or equivalent to like space force but you know he he was retired he was one star uh general in a (laughs) israeli israeli military intelligence so there's that mm-hmm. um, and director of space programs for Israel Ministry of Defense for 30 years, former chair of the Space Committee of the National Council for Research and Development for the Ministry of Science, Technology and Space and member of the Steering Committee of Israel Space Agency. He is responsible for the launch of 20 Israeli made satellites and is widely cited as the father of Israel's space program. 
So, and he yeah. served in the highly I mean, I secretive... I those CIA uh, UFO documents. They did have a lot of, like, uh, material about Israel and UFO sightings over, over Israel, as they did of, like, you know, other countries as well. But, yeah, um, I mean, obviously it's a geopolitical hotspot, so... Yeah, I don't really know what to make of that. Um, like, uh, it's very, I mean, it's incredibly strange to imagine Trump talking to an alien. Uh, and I don't, I have trouble believing that that happened. Um, yeah, yeah. He says that, know, yeah, the <laughs> the Galactic Federation stopped Trump. Uh, I guess it's the only time somebody's, like, dissuaded Trump from yeah, exactly, running his mouth about yeah, something. right, yeah. I guess yeah. we'll find out. We're recording this on the 17th. Uh, we'll find out in the next three days if he, if he's just going to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, yeah, do it. Do it, Trump. You have nothing to lose. Um, yeah, right. But, you know, yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's very, I mean, he would not from what we know about him, I mean, unless, like, they, I mean, I feel like they, maybe by stopped, it means that they, like, removed the memories from his mind, and they, like, mind-controlled him to, like, not say anything, you know, because, right, like, mm-hmm. they would be able to stop him by just not, not necessarily just persuading him, they would be able to, like, you know, like, uh, mind-meld with him. That's another thing, speaking yeah, of yeah, mind-meld. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like, the use of the terminology galactic federation you know mm-hmm. we need to do an episode down the line as i think we discussed in the grotto about how like sus like star trek is as like an influence in like uh popular perceptions of like the teleology of human destiny mm-hmm. uh because yeah. like is like just even like the fact that he's calling it a galactic federation which is like literally star trek terminology just watching like you know uh in the in the midst of the lockdown like my gf and i have been watching like uh you know the old star trek's over again uh mm-hmm. and like just watching the stephen greer documentary which i subjected her to uh you know um <laughs> she was like just like constantly like rolling her eyes and how like everything they said was like a star trek cliche of some kind you know it was always <laughs> like you know like we're gonna be in a federation you know like something like thing like that you know like we're gonna like uh have or like people talking about like the prime directive or like what you yeah, know like when yeah. like no, all exactly. the way that people imagine like the way this will be and like you know just the whole idea that humanity is destined like to colonize the stars and like become nanite gods who uh-huh. are gonna like transcend this sphere is like a huge mm-hmm. distraction. But you know what? Like relative to this, like this is genuinely what I think. Like I don't think that there's ever gonna be a moment where, like, Trump or, or, like, Biden or his successor or whomever, like, you know, the president or, like, the world leaders or the UN or whatever is going to come forward and be, like, meet, like, you know, Gleek Mork, you know, like, (laughs) like, or whatever. It's always going to be this, like, liminal thing, but it's going to be something like Q where like it's easily manipulated by like uh, these, like, you know, the military industrial complex or like the intelligence community where they can Mm -hmm. just like, you know, send little signals out about like what the aliens want to like Mm -hmm. manipulate society in certain ways. You know, I mean, I guess I shouldn't rule out that there will one day be like a horrible blue beam display in the sky and like Maitreya, (laughs) like the false Messiah will appear, but like, uh, Something that I definitely think, like, is that, like, the, like, it will always be available as, like, a way to, like, you know, manipulate, in the same way that, like, more terrestrial, uh, you know, uh, ideologies or conspiracy theories can be used to, like, uh, manipulate people or uh, shape their perceptions, or the way Mm -hmm. that, like, the media can be, like, having these little, like, uh, figures who come out and say, like, this is what 
the light beings told me, you know, like, that will always be, like, in some way, like, in some subliminal way or in some, like, oblique way valuable. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like... Like, going into... Think, what, like, what was the area behind the veil in the, the temple in Jerusalem back in the day where, you know, allegedly, like, the high priest could go in and, and have privately talk to Yahweh? I mean, Moses had a tent, right, where he would go in and talk to god and if anybody else went in the tent they'd be struck dead by the sight of mm. you know jehovah yeah um i don't remember that but yeah i do remember the part with the mountain i guess maybe because that's like you know in the quran but uh mm. yeah oh the tabernacle i guess is what you're talking yeah about, the, the tabernacle. tabernacle exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah, i mean there's yeah. always there's always been that kind of thing it's interesting even to think about like gene roddenberry circling all back around because he was part of the nine group that was supposedly channeling messages from et's you know, mm-hmm. back in like the 60s and 70s. And so a lot of his ideas perhaps were influenced by what he thought were, you know, messages about like the glorious space future from, mm-hmm. you know, these uh, Nordic 12 foot tall aliens. <laughs> and then yeah. now these people are almost doing, uh, I don't know, they're, they're sort of, a, they're probably subconsciously influenced by Star Trek culture things like like those ideas have wormed their way they've seeped into the mm-hmm. groundwater and yeah maybe they've framed the imagine the imaginative limits of kind of how um the aliens you know what kind of form they would take though i feel like there's still yeah in the same there, way there's, that there's like yeah. you know uh body snatchers versus like clues you know how like they were like it's disgusting how they put out these movies like predator to make us think aliens are ugly and not kind and they'd be like <laughs> it's more like clues encounters where you know like i'm like the richard dreyfus character you know or whatever like it's uh-huh. like so like I'm yeah. so, you know uh and, i'm like, like the yeah, he did and, say i'm like the richard dreyfus yeah he literally yeah. did yeah, it is interesting how they... One thing that was interesting that they sort of uh, brought out in the documentary was Trump, like, constantly saying, like, we must have dominance in space, you know? Like, we need to have, like, yeah. the idea of, like... I think that space is, like, an interesting uh, sort of, like, conceptual terrain that, like, you know, people want to have, like, a type of mastery over that has, like, a certain imaginative power. And I think that the whole thing with, like, aliens is part of that. Like, it hasn't... You know, we haven't seen that or really uh, QAnon be, like, fully activated. And maybe, like, you know, we're always waiting for this climactic moment. There's always, like, this sort of, uh, you know, delayed uh, satisfaction maybe with it that uh, will always exist. But I, you know, I do feel like Mm -hmm. you could easily, like, uh, activate, like, because, like, these forces have, like, you know, we talked about this in our past UFO episode, how originally this whole uh subculture was like kind of arrayed against the government and against like these sources of authority that you know even in the people who are like against the cabal you know Mm. similar to like you know similar to the q stuff where they're against the cabal but they're still like the patriots they're still the military they're still like you know general flynn or whatever so Mm. it's just like those are the people who now control all of this those are the people who are now the authorities in the world of like ufology like they have the power to like control what the consensus is about like you know or the what the lack of consensus is you know about what these beings want to control the 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 argument about like the to frame the argument about like the the aliens you know which Mm -hmm. i think is a form of power you know that's separate from the actual phenomenon and i think that that you know the phenomenon and i think that Mm -hmm. that is uh like an interesting wrinkle in in all this like the 
uh you know that's like how that's like where the blue beam is is already manifesting uh you know uh it just yeah. all yeah it makes me think of uh it makes me think of the wizard of oz actually you know yeah i mean isn't the like, wizard of oz kind of like a blue beamy type allegory of yeah, a story well, like yeah, look at this the, wizard yeah, you know yeah it's just a man mm-hmm. yeah exactly and of course you know yeah. that that's like but that was a. Uh, that was made by like a theosophist living in like the biggest naval installation as Dave McGowan loved to remind us, uh, in like the United States and San Diego and, uh, is like a cultist or like absolutely obsessed with like being inspired by, uh, well, yeah, I mean, you can, you can see how like the themes like are this, I mean, in Peter Pan as well, like it's something, Mm. I mean, that's 19th century, but you can see how the themes of like UFO lore and like close encounter, like, Close Encounters and Peter Pan, like, have, like, clear... Is there even, like, Peter Pan analogies directly made well, in Close Encounters? I don't remember. I, I don't... I've, you know time, what? But... I've actually never seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Wow. I know. I probably should well, watch Well, that's it. why you're not involved enough, because yeah, that's why the light exactly. beings haven't contacted you, because you haven't seen this awesome movie that was made at Lookout Mountain, or whatever, you know, like, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, by, by Spielberg. Was it made at uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he just... He was no, just no, 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 like, uh, um, he was just trained there, yeah, he yeah, got his but you know uh, what, though? orders, like, that's where he got his orders. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, but, you know, yeah. Wizard of Oz, uh, though, and uh, Peter Pan are both, in a way, kind of, like, interdimensional stories. Yeah, they are. They're the same, like, plot line. I mean, especially with Peter Pan. Like, he mm-hmm. comes in through the window at night. You know, he takes these kids away to the stars. Uh, oh. Second star of the right until morning. Uh, you know, like, uh, to, like, uh, you know, uh, a land where... And, like, that's kind of something that Jacques Vallée and uh, John Keel, like, would often point out would be that, you know, a lot of these, like, encounters that people had, like, now, oftentimes, like, your standard UFO encounter, the ones that sort of... It's weird because, the, like, if they're even talked about at all, like, the abduction stuff or the actual, like, substance of the encounters and what the entities look like, mm-hmm. like, which both the phenomenon and, uh, you know, uh, the Close Encounters with Kind documentary to keep, you know, going with the... Uh, you know, comparison between the two, both of them mm. kind of don't really get into the substance of like the beings themselves, you know? Yeah. Despite yeah, Stephen Greer being like, what's really interesting is these entities, you know? Like, uh, yeah, but yeah. Again, like, so I guess your documentary is interesting because you don't really talk about them, but like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, or what they want, you know, what they uh, said to you, anything like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, it, most of the time when they do kind of, or like, you know, when, for, when Stephen Greer said that this like little fetus is an alien, you know, like it's kind of looks like you're gray, you know, that's what you're, meant to believe like this very x-files like standard thing where the aliens look at this particular thing all the time but Mm -hmm. really like you know so the official sort of ufo narrative the most popular one that i think that people are sort of drawn to maybe like for whatever reason maybe have been conditioned to uh you know be more drawn to like it has that certain feature but a lot of them are very, very bizarre and include like beings that don't really make like sense or humanoid beings or like you know talking Mm -hmm like you know coke bottles or whatever you know like uh like weird stuff like you know like the airship stuff in the 19th century you know like that we read uh yeah yeah type stuff you know so like yeah like in a 19th century language or in wizard of oz you know that is like she gets carried away into the air by like a tractor beam you know a vortex Uh or whatever a vortex Uh, yeah 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 a synthetic hurricane uh yeah Yeah. um Mm-hmm. yeah uh and she, yeah exactly um 
And, uh, you know, what does she discover? That, like, uh, you know, she wa- had the power all along, right? You know? Uh, uh-huh. uh I guess she so. She was the right? real alien. Uh, we, she was the reptoid. Um, <laughs> right, but... But, um, you know, she... I guess she she read, uh, red-pilled or, like, red-heeled um, all of Oz by exposing their own cabal. Right. Yeah, she did. Um, she exposed yeah, the man behind the curtain. It was in, well, he he was from Earth. You know, oh. he was from he was from Kansas himself, right? Yeah, I was in the movie. You know, I haven't read the book since I was in the middle school, uh, and I probably never will again. But um, you know, <laughs> sure. Like, so uh, that even lends I mean, more maybe we should do a Wizard to... of Oz, uh, Sus Wizard should. of Oz episode. Yeah, yeah no, I think yeah. we should. I remember there's uh, like some weird stuff in the book, like that you would like the Winkies or whatever, or like the the Hammerheads that are like these bizarre entities that like blast their heads at you. Like there's some messed up stuff uh, in the book. Um, it's like a but, scary Mario yeah. world. And her, thing. Um, it w- yeah 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 and her hip uh her slippers are silver in the book or crystal or something they're not red uh oh, they're interesting. ruby in the movie because that was more spectacular in the technicolor for technicolor um, exactly we yeah. should also we also might want to talk about return to oz which i remember watching many oh yeah years ago, which is extremely very, bizarre yeah with the heads very scary very scary disturbing <laughs> very movie. creepy yeah. movie yeah and yeah yeah uh right and the original characters aren't really in it like she has a new group of friends but then at the end yeah. they show up and they don't look like you remember and it's very upsetting like you know they're <laughs> like the cowardly line is like this horrible like you know plush line. it's really horrible but anyway uh uh-huh. yeah. yeah like uh so the themes of this are something that like are of course you know you can talk about like the fairy lore and stuff like that or the, all these different encounters like the witches know, like, and medieval time yeah the, the witch's night flight and things like that you know we kind of mm-hmm. went into this in our uh and i think we should do more, like, uh, flying monkey they got flying monkeys yeah, folks. Kind of folks. <laughs> yeah exactly these monkeys are flying they're they're, they're, they're flying folks. They're, the witch has them locked up and they have to do it they, they don't want to you know like a mentally um, unstable but, man lion hybrid uh yeah yeah uh, no no um <laughs> Yeah, he's from Nightmare Hall. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the opium poppies, you know, uh, make you fall asleep. Uh, there's there's a lot of, of, of stuff like that. I think like uh, that is sort of like uh, shows like the uh, sort of imaginative power of this stuff, and it's interesting how like now the control over it has been like so consolidated. Uh, and I think yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, uh, I feel like we should mention uh, AOC uh, and her use of yeah. the close encounter terminology. Uh-huh. That jumped out at me. Uh, me too. You know, me too. I definitely, I definitely had like a moment of like you know because I saw it like in a tweet, and yeah. uh, you know just reading it at first it was like AOC like revealed she had a close encounter, and I was like, what? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, literally it said that like, and it's like who says close encounter except yeah, like in a UFO context. In fact, I think that in the cia ufo documents that i was reading through there were also some in the same way that like you know stuff just called like phenom like that mentioned the word phenomenon like ended up in there yeah. like if you use the phrase close encounter whether you were referring to ufos or not which i guess oh. some people do do which i never knew before yeah there's some either. things that, like close encounter with you know modernization or whatever that like are you know uh but yeah like uh so i mean i guess yeah it's like it doesn't seem used it <sighs> It doesn't seem relevant uh, to anything except coming across a thing that you would normally never come across. And, like, you know, it's like something fleeting and rare, like a close encounter. Well, if you don't have a close encounter with modernization, that's like a process. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. And, like, especially in the context of, like, 
you know, uh, like, I feel like maybe AOC had, like, a close call, or, like, I think you know, it was, like, yeah, AOC. you'd say close call, but then, yeah, maybe the, those yeah. things got switched, but it also, I don't know, it, like, like evokes uh, this kind of thing. Like, a close of, encounter like, with, like, a MAGA person, like, uh, like you know, a, like, like, almost uh, ali- alienizing. Close encounters of the MAGA kind, yeah. Is this a sort of um, strange, like, a rhetorical well, alienification? Of the- of the, Especially because of, of the movie, you know, people like know the movie, like, you know, people know the movie, whether they've seen it or not, you know, they're familiar yeah. with uh, the movie. Uh, and like, that's the main association is with aliens, you know, close encounters of the X kind, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. Uh, it's weird. And I mean, it, it even I was saying before, like there, there's even a weird uh, parallel between like the sort of like Tom DeLong, Stephen Greer, like internecine ufologist beef. And like it, it even feels a little bit like AOC and Jimmy Dore, like fighting each other. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, I don't, yes. I don't trust either of you. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's... Uh, neither yeah and i think that both like it's it's that same pincer move that is like uh you know plays out like in american politics and in all of these like topics like where people get like wedged between two like uh superficially different alternatives that like ultimately are like part of this one like dialectic mm-hmm. um yeah i yeah that i think will be like i don't know we'll see what the future holds uh i think we'll see this topic continue to like uh come to the fore and i think that we'll see like the spiritual component around it my 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 feeling is that we'll see the spiritual component around it continue to develop uh -hmm. you know and, and be championed by uh the demi lovatos of the world um yeah, but, this is going to yeah. become kind of like the. I think it might be in the same way that I don't know if like astrology ever really went away, but I feel like over the last like five years or so, it's had a real like internet resurgence in culture. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, it just there's more platforms for it and there's more ways of like kind of like, you know, incorporating it into um, people's lives and stuff. You know, there's abs, there's like CoStar now. And things like that and things that kind of fill the void in an otherwise like kind of um atomized uh like lowercase m materialistic like uh, de-religicized um society that we have um yeah. uh, but but i think now but i think it also speaks to a yearning for some kind of a spiritual cosmology or something you know that it's mm-hmm. not enough just to have like the facts you know or something like that yeah. and i think now maybe ufos um you know are going to come back on the upswing you know maybe i think trump kind of uh crowded a lot of the the space in people's heads for some of that stuff um mm-hmm. um yeah. fucking toxic gemini uh just fucking distracted yeah. everybody for four gemini? years uh, of course he's a Gemini. Come on. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah obvi- wow. Donald Trump is a Gemini. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, See, it right. makes sense. Um. um yeah. Wow. I mean, Two faced. Uh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a Gemini moon, so watch your mouth a little bit. But uh, you know, we're uh, not all not all Gemini, not all Gemini's. Um. 
but but one day we will do a sus astrology just like et's you know gemini's just like et's face xenophobia and like you know the treatment as being uh we found some article on like syracuse like news or whatever from their like ufo correspondent talking about the problem of xenophobia against et beings um and how uh you know we treat them like demons and that's that's a form of xenophobia Gemini's also definitely face serious discrimination. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and it's That's not really true. It's not cool. <laughs> I looked up that book by the way, uh, Exo Vaticana, uh, that was mentioned on the McLeod Tree blog. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a uh, the subtitle is a uh, it's it's called Exo Vaticana uh, Petrus Romanus Project uh, L U C I F E R and the Vatican's <laughs> astonishing plan for the arrival of an alien savior. Oh my um, god. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, what, are we to believe that, like, basically, like, uh, the Soviets, like, infiltrated the entire Catholic Church and, like, Phaeton-pilled them, and now we're, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, what What do they think is going to um, happen? Uh, is the, but, you know, is warning, the Vatican... this book may shatter the comfort of closely held presuppositions and may result in the wholesale alteration of crucial priorities. Word. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, 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 yeah. That's uh, what I like to see sometimes. Uh, um. Yeah. The uh, a new instrument with an evil sounding name is helping scientists see how stars are born. Lucifer, uh, which stands for Large Binocular Telescope Near Infrared Utility with Camera and Integral Field Unit for Extragalactic Research, is a chilled instrument attached to a telescope in Arizona. You know what? I have what? heard of this. I have, and that is a Jesuit laboratory. Uh, it's run by the no, Jesuits, I believe. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Why? I know that is sus. That is definitely sus. That's uh, I don't know sus. what. Yeah. No. See, there's a little bit no. of a like weird like insight role, like loving Lucifer, uh, like Gnostic uh, things going on. At least in a cheeky yeah. level of naming things, mm-hmm. like like things like that. That um. Yeah, you know, just got to be a little careful with the Jesuits because, you know, sometimes they get a little too worldly, I guess. Mm, That's really their yeah, problem because uh, they're, they're the, really the scientific, like, intelligentsia of the Catholic Church nowadays, which is an, another reason why people would have resented them is because they are the one, you know, they're kind of like uh, Father Karras and the Exorcist. I think he was a Jesuit, wasn't he? Mm, uh yes he was he was a jesuit. yeah he was yeah. a jesuit so mm-hmm. you know that's like a, a a very prototypical kind of like modern jesuit as a guy who's like got a like a phd in like psychology but then he also you know uh, they, they're seen as something having more aloof like intellectualized uh kind of co- connection to their faith than um than mm-hmm. maybe you know other catholics and so they're uh maybe more susceptible to the seductions of scientism and Mm -hmm. sorcery of that kind you know um but Uh, we we really don't know we really don't know this guy actually i guess is a friend of la mazuli uh the author of this book or the the authors of this book uh and they're they're referring his uh his nephilim they're referring to his nephilim research heavily uh in in uh charting out their argument here they're Mm. drawing heavily on some of his uh while we we're not exactly sure what to make all of this, the parallel formations, uh, yeah, uh, he's, uh, yeah, talking about the, uh, the Nephilim here. Beautiful. Yes. Uh, yeah, a lot of, well, a lot of, uh, well. stuff here. The revealing, the cover of that book, which I guess is by L.A. Marzulli, features a fleet of flying saucers over Jerusalem. Yeah, I wonder if the head of Israel's space service will be willing to cede Jerusalem since, you know, all this stuff is just a bunch of silly 
nonsense and the ets will tell us like the real truth like can we just please have jerusalem like you know, <laughs> uh, uh, good but, question you know, good question yeah how are these things um, going to get sorted out uh yeah, yeah. Uh, i would love well, to you know, know. Yeah, they can, we have to, to the barbarians who aren't uh you know sophisticated I, I don't see why you know we should quibble over these earthly things when we just yeah. need to do we just need to do tm out in the desert and uh, yes. give Stephen Greer three thousand dollars to go hang out with light beings with him and yes, um, summon orbs of their minds. Yeah, I wonder if they take drugs. Like, because what? No, if he don't? said they don't. He... he said they they strictly, which is very similar to TM and like a lot mm. of yoga cults and right. like uh, new agey yoga cults. They are very not. He believes that uh, taking psychedelic drugs or any substances uh, interferes with the you know your your uh, yeah just like yeah. I, don't well, know, your I, I wonder waves, if anyone has ever because I feel like it's much easier. It's much easier to make people certain that they've had an encounter with a being with the aid of psychedelics, as we know from like Charles Manson and things like that. So oh yeah uh, yeah Literally yeah. I wonder if anyone's ever disappointed. To. But I guess like once you have the buy-in of I guess three thousand dollars is also a powerful incentive. Like you know if you paid that much money. Like, whether you see a being or not. Not to say that necessarily they don't encounter some, like, pernicious djinn on these, uh, you know, expeditions, but, you know... Uh, or just the local military like base sending up much. some of its, like, new experimental drones be like, whoa! Like, you know, Stephen Greer just, like, tells them where they're going to be every time they go out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they just send out... Because he does go to places that are basically, like, huge hubs of, like, military and Air Force activity. Like, in Joshua Tree is right near... Uh, 29 Palms, huge military base um, in the Mojave Desert, you know, places in Arizona, Colorado, Nevada, etc. You know, um, like Las Vegas is still the number one UFO sighting city in like the world. You know, is that mm. completely a coincidence uh, given the presence of like Nellis Air Force Base and Area 51? You Definitely know? not. Definitely of not. Course. I mean, I think that's the reason for that memo that we talked about in our earlier UFO episode where that guy was like, we need to establish complete air dominance and control and monitor everything in order to know like what is us and what is like possibly like a real unidentified object. Yeah. Um, and then we can use it yeah. to psyop and it would involve psyoping everybody, but that's fine. Yeah. According to this guy, uh, you know, which I guess, uh, McLeod tree is like, you know, reading, uh, you know, just to get the scoop on the latest Vatican activities. Mm -hmm. uh there will be the vatican is planning a blue beam basically to create a new alien savior um you know i guess the title kind of gave that away but yeah yeah well that's a, god that's a actual god help us then yeah actual god <laughs> definitely help us not fake god. um not deep yeah, fake god us. yeah not deep fake god not any you know yeah um yeah <laughs> all right cool i don't know um, i don't know man yeah. all right yeah we can stop uh, yeah we're, we're in a yeah. good time here so we can wrap up um we're we'll circle back we just want to i think it's good we we kept this in the mix because it keeps popping up in the news and i feel like they're 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 cooking up some uh some funky business with this in in terms of mainstreaming it and uh we're gonna keep an eye on it yeah we definitely will keep an eye on it um yeah there will be future close encounters. Uh, yeah, we definitely should do 
an episode about like you know deeper into the kind of mothman john keel type material uh i think that would be good um, oh for sure yeah, yeah i actually don't know too much about mothman uh i don't know if he's a chimera or, or interdimensional but uh, i'm curious to to learn yeah he's an ultra terrestrial uh oh, okay. you know uh he's cool. a gin like everything but you know gotcha. uh, he's a particularly mothy one uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh yeah terrifying Okay. Well, um, um, yeah. well, that's it. Uh, that that's it for now. Um, you know, I guess don't pay three thousand dollars to Stephen Greer. Just download the ten dollar app, and but actually don't <laughs> yeah. because you're gonna be talking with Jin. Yeah, don't um, do transcendental meditation in the desert nope. with like some sus dude. Uh, yeah, that was another. I mean. Yo, before we stop, like, that was okay. a great part of the documentary where he was talking about, like, how, you know, uh, some guy, I guess it was the guy who wrote The Day After Roswell, who was, like, a young, brash colonel, who, uh-huh. like, this was the end of the documentary, where it's, like, one day he came face-to-face with an E.T., and the E.T. told him to shut down, like, all the, you know, missiles or whatever, and, uh, or the, or to take, uh, to t- turn off the you know, uh, radio, uh, sort of monitoring that was, uh, recording their conversation or something. And the, the colonel said like, what's in it for me? And the ET yeah. responded, you know, a new world, if you can take it. And it's like, what? Like, that's for literally one, how like, it ends, right? That's like the end yeah. of the documentary. And that was very sus. Um, like, what do you mean a new world? Was- that sounds like he's going to offer you a evil deal to like take over the world. Also, I feel like it's just like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, true. Uh, new world, uh, yeah, new world anything order, involving yeah. a new world, like, give me a break. But if like, you can take also, it. well, also, it was like exactly like the cadence and the formula of that thing that like uh, Benjamin you Franklin know, said. MAGA people love, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, a you republic know, if uh, you can keep it, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> like you know, like the, the the Glenn Beck like favorite quote of all time. Like uh-huh. literally, it was like fucking like psyoping like you know uh, any like uh, curious like QAnoners who were listening to be like this is patriotic like you know. Uh-huh. This, Something I like something about this. I can't quite put my finger on it, but something about this makes me feel good. Like, <laughs> sounds like my favorite fucking quote ever. Uh, where the Republic most profound thing it. ever. Yeah, uh, but it, it's it, even well, yeah, it's way world. more sinister than Ben Franklin. It's like a, a new world yes. if you can take it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he's saying that to yeah. U.S. military. Um, not my comrade. Uh, fuck off, uh, ET. Uh, stop making yeah. deals with Air Force officers. I no, mean, honestly, you. the ET is like, what is their problem? Why are they just being like, we can turn off your missiles. Just turn them off. Just yeah. like turn them off. Tell everybody turn, they've take, been turned turn off. Turn them off. What are we going to do? We can't, blow, we can't blow ourselves up if you turn them off. So like, what are we going to do? As we you know, know, it's game, set, match, you know, yeah. like no contest, like absolute, you know, absolute domination uh, by the ETs. So... Like, why don't they just, like, I mean, you know, yeah, it doesn't make any sense that they haven't revealed themselves if they want to be contacted. Like, just because we aren't giving Stephen Greer enough money, that's why. Uh, That's the only reason why they, like, you know, if we just give him more money, 
then like it'll we'll be hit fun. that one uh, percent target that Maharishi laid down so many years yeah, ago, exactly. and then we'll yeah. finally uh, and then maybe if the Scientologists join in along with uh, the World Anti Communist League, the Western Goals Foundation, the Contras, the Vatican Bank, yes. and Bolivian drug manufacturers, and Nazi death squad in South America under the <laughs> yeah, coordination all... of Daniel Sheehan, then maybe just maybe we can hit that that mark and uh, yeah, just maybe, but not. <laughs> any of these people like Tom DeLonge who are exactly the same as us because like they're <laughs> they are exactly they're the same invited. they're yeah they're yeah, exactly like, the fucking same we're uh, literally mirror images of each other and it's like yeah well you know like uh you, like you're not invited to the ETs like you know like fuck Stephen off. Greer uh, said on a podcast I listened to that uh Tom DeLonge like, I used to mentor him when he was in Blink-182 unfortunately you know he got taken by the cabal you know, they totally, <laughs> they totally roped him in, you know, so he's, he submitted to the cabal, um, can't trust him anymore. It's, it's oh a real yeah, shame. You, said you hate that to see he it. Got, like, you said that he got pissed off on that podcast, right? Like he, the questions, like. Yeah, know, it was where? on the higher side chats from, from kind of, uh, the middle of last year. And he got very, uh, very upset at, uh, Greg Carwood, uh, for questioning, like, why is the threshold 1%? Like, don't you think that, like, that's not enough people to try? Like, what do you think actually going to happen? And, you know, uh, just asked him, like, don't you think you're putting the cart before the horse of, you know, uh, if the aliens aren't coming before uh, until we solve all our internal problems and, like, evolve, then why would reaching out to them directly right now be of any use because like they're not going to come because we still haven't dealt with our corrupt cabal that is like running the world and you know uh yeah. psyoping everybody and it, he goes no it's not putting the cart before the horse like you don't understand and then at some point later he was like well you just been so hostile and negative this entire interview and he's like no i haven't he's like yeah every single question uh you ask me is you know uh trying to like beat me <laughs> down and and you know say this isn't true and all that stuff uh, he was trying to be nice to stephen greer but stephen greer Definitely had a little bit that LaRouche swagger of, uh, you very, know, very ascended, I, very, uh, you know, very chilled out, very advanced of being, uh, uh-huh. you know, uh, very he just couldn't get on his level. Yeah, um, Greg Harwood couldn't yeah. get on his level. Um, unfortunately, um, no. uh, yeah, he if said, you, if you can, if you can, uh, yeah. Yeah, you hate to see it, but um, I guess he probably Um, won't come on our podcast now if he ever listens to this. I would not really want to have him on the podcast, um, to be honest. Yeah, Uh, he's not. You know, I feel like it would just be annoying because, like, yeah, I mean, he would, like, storm off the podcast if we asked him, like, anything honest. Like, yeah, that's true. Fawn over his, like, bullshit that he's just been repeating forever. Like, why would... I don't know if anyone would want to listen to that episode. Like, you know, uh, I mean, we're I'm going to lay it out right now. I general, but yeah, like, I think uh, well, how like, put off, how put off and Russell Targ, um, who we love and respect so much. Um, if we get them <laughs> yeah. on, um, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't talk about openly. how would be like setting them to a trap to expose like their like CIA tie. I mean, they're pretty open about their CIA ties. But uh, but really, uh, I don't know. Try try to find some way for them to like pin them down on all this remote viewing shit because they they went through another whole round of like bold claims in this documentary, uh, or Russell Teague does. Um, that uh, that you know, basically, yeah, it totally all works. Like it's totally real. Uh, he even brags that like I guess you could say the CIA you know subsidized all my uh, psychic research for thirty years. Ha ha ha. You know. Um, 
And, you know, I, I think he just of, thinks that's a long, strange trip, man. But I just thought of a grift where, like, the founding fathers, like, ascended and became ETs. And, like, you know, <laughs> that's, like, the highest level of patriotism. And that's, like, oh. why that ET sounded so much like Ben Franklin. Because, like, it was Yo. Ben Franklin. And, yes, like, he was, yes. like, just repeating his eternal, you know, mm-hmm. command to the American people of, like, mm-hmm. rise to our level, you know? Like, you've kept the Republic, now join us, like, in eternity, you know? Like, uh... In the pantheon well. of patriots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah, right. you know, but, get yeah. to work. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess <laughs> that's, that's out there. That's free for, uh, that's free for any, uh, any of you guys to use, you know, if you want to, if you want to start uh, making a career of, um, you know, uh... Yeah. Grift, uh, Unlike CE5 and TM, it is not TM'd, trademarked, literally. Um, so, yeah. you know, go ahead. It's a open yeah. source. Trust it. Like, Sigma. Yeah, it'll, it would be um, annoying if that, like, became a thing that we then had to have an episode about. I was like, sorry, everyone. Like, I created the new. <laughs> I accidentally created the new, like, you Saint know. St. Benjamin. Uh, you know. St. George. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the okay. the real ascended masters, the ascended founders, the ascended patriots. Uh, there's something to this, like you know, it's there's like a more to... like nationalistic uh, version of like ascended master uh, beliefs. Like if the uh, self-realization you know, fellowship like, wants a, a a rejuvenation. You know that idea that can yeah, really run I with think that. that yeah, I think I might need to copyright this. Like someone copyrighted the Ouija board like format. I think I might need to like get this down, like a pat, get into a patent office like right away. I need to build some kind of like patriot, like you know, communicator device and get a patent on it. You know, right away. Um, Sounds smart. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Um, All right. Anyway. That's uh, that's yeah. for now. Uh, you know, to, to beware the blue beam. It's everywhere, yeah. and uh, until next yeah. time, uh, dear listeners, stay vigilant. Peace. Now, settle more deeply into this ocean of quiet awareness, where all perceptions are like distant ripples on the surface of the ocean. Perceive that this vast awake mind extends infinitely in all directions. And you see that this awakeness is omnipresent. It is not bound by space or time. And so it is infinite and it is eternal. This is the true nature of the awakeness whereby we perceive our own breath, our own self, sight, sounds, thoughts. We feel the joy and peace of knowing that this awake being, this mind, is ever present within us. from all attachment to perception or even self. We see the unbounded quality of this awakeness as universal. And every person in this circle is awake. 
while we are unique individuals, the light of awareness is a singularity, and that awakeness is one, and we are being one in many bodies, one light illuminating every soul and conscious mind. We see this same vast awakeness permeating the earth beneath us and expanding into the sky above us. Omnipresent, it is awake in all places. And soaring on the wings of this vast and limitless awareness, we expand upwards into the sky and we see that the entire earth is shining in the light of this awakeness. And beyond us, space and the planets of our solar system, all spinning, swimming in an ocean of awake cosmic minds. 